One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Sharon, and here's where it gets interesting. Raise your hand if you want salon perfect nails for just $2 a manicure. Yeah, me too. With the Olive and June Manny system, you can say goodbye to expensive services that take hours and hours and love your nails more than ever. I would know I've been doing it for years. Get 20% off your first Manny system with code PERFECTMANNY20 at oliveandjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. That's PERFECTMANNY20 at oliveandjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. On DAB Digital Radio and 1089 and 1053 AM, Fight Night with Adam Catterall on TalkSport. Every Saturday night on TalkSport, it is Fight Night uh, with me, Adam Catterall. Coming up on the show tonight, we're going to be speaking to one of the greatest heavyweights that this country has ever produced. Lennox Lewis is on the show. Make sure you stick around for that. You're going to hear from Amir Khan ahead of his fight as he's live on TalkSport next weekend from Birmingham. Huey Fury's also going to be on the show talking about his upcoming world title eliminator with Kubrat Pulev. And Nick, who's always alongside me for shows like this, will be getting excited about two YouTubers that packed out the Manchester Arena last week. Won't you, son? Eh? You buzzed off that, didn't you? No, Can't no. get enough of it. Nope. Uh, also joining us uh, in the studio, it, they are the kings of the floss, I am led to believe. They are the kings of the floss in the VIP gym up here in Salford, let me tell you. It is buzzing at this moment in time. The head of that gym, Jamie Moore, is on the show. Good evening. Good evening, sir. Look at that, he's being all nice to me, actually. You should have heard him, his potty mouth five minutes before we started the show. Absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, and one of his, uh, his charges from that gym, a man that shares the greatest surname in the entire world, <laughs> is in the show right now. Jack Catterall, out in uh, fighting at O'Hara Davis in Leicester. Jack, welcome to the show. How are you, mate? Yeah, very well, thank you, Adam. See, a bleeder northern, that's what we need on the programme this evening. A couple of lads, one from Blackburn, one from Chorley. Never mind you Scousers and Manx on this show. We don't want that. We want proper Lancashire lads, don't we, Jack? Of course we do. He knows the score, you see. He knows. <laughs> it's the Pison. Listen, it's going to get tasty in here. There's lots coming up on the show. We're going to be obviously speaking about Jack's upcoming fight with Hara Davis and everything that's going on in Jamie's gym as well with some fantastic fights recently and upcoming before the end of the year. Do stick around. And speaking of that... There's some absolute crackers coming up live and exclusive on Talk Sport. We announced some big fights this week, and if you missed that news, take a listen to this. The time has come. The fight starts now. Fight Night Live here on Talk Sport. future it's all like a money Pacquiao or Kyle Brook I mean these are the fights I want now it's all about just cleaning up the sport and finishing on top and winning another world title all three for your winner by unanimous decision say Jones Gr- 
Crunch Challenge, Mundo Smith. Smith just does that, and the beauty of an uppercut just rocks the head back of Holskin. See my fight with Eubank. I think me and, me and Smith will eclipse it, you know, we're both more like, legitimate world champions. Blocked and then missed by Meyer with the right hand. Saunders looking out into the crowd to see where it landed. In this fight, they I think they could be, you know, it's cat and mouse because who gets that lead is more or less going to win the fight. Connor is looking dazed. She's all over the place and she's been stopped. Then Katie Taylor, when she got her going, her reaction was instantaneous. Still undefeated, the destroyer, Connor Ben. From Conor Ben, just as you're talking about straight shots, he does manage to land a peach of an uppercut, and Truman is flawed. Action packed on Talksport, your home for boxing uh, over the upcoming weeks. September the 8th, next weekend, Amir Khan, Samuel Vargas in Birmingham. Uh, then we roll on to September 22nd for that Wembley showdown between AJ and Povetkin. Uh, the week after that, Jeddah in the Middle East for the World Boxing Super Series, uh, super middleweight final between Groves and Smith. The week after that, it's Chicago, Illinois uh, for Callum Johnson's efforts against Artur Baturbiev uh, for the IBF, uh, WBA World Super, sorry, the light heavyweight championship of the world. We've also got Daniel Roman, by the way, and Gavin McDonnell on that bill as well. On October the 13th, Lewis Ritson in Newcastle. October the 20th, it's Billy Joe Saunders. Uh, in Boston, Massachusetts, and the week after, we're back at the Copper Box uh, for Ted Cheeseman and Connor Benny's also on that bill as well. Action packed, nothing better than the proper season getting underway, and I bet you boys as well. I know that you've not had a quiet August, Jamie, and the boys up at uh, up at your gym. It's been quite action packed, but traditionally the season gets underway in September, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, usually we uh, we have the August month off, but. A, you decided to pack out a stadium in Belfast, is what you tried, what you attempted well, to do, didn't you? That's what we did, and uh, <laughs> yeah, it was a. Oh, listen, if 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 it meant sort of experiencing what we experienced on the 17th of August, then I don't mind uh, taking the night off. Mm. 18th of August was it? 17th, mm. 18th. Busy weekend in Belfast, it looks like. Someone's been on the black stuff. It's been a bit of a whirlwind since then, but I've I've had six days off all year, six days, and then. Uh, and then straight back at it. But I've got all, all the lads. We've got eight lads in the gym now and yep. all of them are out before the end of December. So we've uh, got a busy four months or so. Obviously, wow. Jack, Jack's joining you tonight and he's in the gym and he's got a showdown uh, in October in Leicester as well, Jack. O'Hara Davis. I mean, he's a man that has been saying your name for quite a period of time. And now that it's signed, sealed, delivered, baby, I'm yours to quote a bit, Stevie Wonder. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to this fight. It's a, it's a fight that has been talked about for a while. It's a fight everybody wants to see, so... I'm uh, really looking forward to it. It's got a fight that's got the whole British public enamoured, hasn't it? Yeah, you absolutely. Know, because uh, obviously Jack, the proof's in the pudding there, undefeated mm. record, collecting belts with every other fight. Mm. You know, and O'Hara Davis lets the, likes to let his lips go as much as his hands. So I'm expecting it to be quite explosive. I'm expecting him to come flying out, Jack. Is that what you and Jamie are kind of working towards as well? Or yeah, him in the centre of the ring type of thing? Or are you going to approach it a bit more tactically? Yeah, definitely. We've been working on tactics. Uh, I think I believe that you've got to go into a fight uh, prepared for anything that's going to happen. Whether he's going to box on the back foot, uh, come bring the fight forward. So we'll be ready come fight night for him. Uh, we're going to be speaking about that in about uh, well in the next part of the show. We're going to dedicate it uh, to the catarals. Just me and him. All right, you two yeah. can go for a walk if you want. <laughs> uh, but regarding where boxing's at at this moment in time, you're a man that has been in this game a long time, Jimmy. Yeah. I don't want to date you or anything like that, but you yeah, know what I mean. Yeah. You've been here a bit. 
Have you ever, have you ever known a time for boxing, mainly in Britain, mainly in Britain, that it to be the way that it is right at this moment in time? No, never. And I had this conversation last week um, with with somebody saying. You know, British boxing's had a few different periods. Yeah. You know, where, where especially the nineties. The nineties was a great part of uh, British boxing history, and and that was really when I first started to get my teeth into it. I started boxing myself, and you know, Nigel Ben Eubanks or mm. Steve Collins, Michael Watson, that sort of era. Um, Frank Bruno, it's never ever been not not just as deep with talent, but so many shows on on TV and stuff like that. It's just. It's relentless, really, and you know it's a boxing fan's dream. So, we—I don't think we're really going to appreciate, fully appreciate this period of time in British boxing until, say, ten years' time when we look back on it. It's like yeah. anything in life, I, I, I yeah. suppose, where you don't really truly appreciate it until you look back at it. But uh, enjoy it while it's here. No, absolutely, and and the gyms as well. I mean, traditionally, you mentioned those periods of time, and in the two thousands and what have you, what you'd have is gyms with maybe one or two fighters out and about doing their thing. You've got, like you just said, you've got eight lads out. You know what I mean? Got eight lads. So but it's I, constant. Yeah, and it's not just my gym. You know, gyms I, up, up and yeah. down the country, they, 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 you know, they stacked with talent. And I think that's a, a testament to not only what's happening right now, mm. but the people who've come before us because they've sort of laid that path so that we can then sort of reap the rewards for for, for what they've put in in the past. So you talk, you look at people like, particularly in Manchester, or, or, you know, from my own experience, people like Phil Martin, mm. who, who, who's, who had five British champions in his gym at the same time. Now, that's unheard of in that period of time. Yeah. If he was talking about now in this period of time, then you'd go, God, that's some achievement. But it wouldn't really be that unusual, whereas back then, it was in the 80s, it was like, what? Five yeah. British champions? But then, you know, as a knock-on effect from that, you know, and you also had Brian Hughes, who was, who was just yeah. starting to sort of pave his way in the game, then Billy Graham as a knock-on effect to that. Yeah. So then, you know, I came onto the back end of that when I first started getting into the pro gym with Billy Graham. I, I was going training there. And then Oliver Addison wasn't a professional boxing trainer. I just happened to stumble upon him. And then we started our own little journey. So from those little cores, mm. you've had little branches off and you've got Maurice Corenz, the bingo, all those guys. Mm. Joe Gallagher started off with Phil Martin back in the day. So we're sort of getting the benefits from the tracks what they laid years ago. You've been incredibly modest. The talent as well that's coming through uh, as well is probably at that next level as well because we've experienced some fantastic amateur yeah. uh, delights in the Olympics and that is inspiring people to actually put it on a set of gloves and have a go. Of course it is. And, that, and that, what I mean by the success, the old saying, success breeds success. Yeah. So they're sort of big successes but in fewer numbers years ago. Yeah. have then, so every time it sort of multiplied. So now you... you and funding and stuff like that in the amateur game has allowed them to yeah. sort of stay in it a little bit longer as an amateur but mm. also get more success because they can commit to it full time so uh, the, the sport's flourishing and uh, long may it continue absolutely <clears throat> long may it continue so therefore we can keep our radio jobs mate simple as that uh, <laughs> uh, do stick with us uh, this is fight night on talk sport your home for boxing jack catterall's in the studio with us as well we're going to be speaking about his upcoming fight with o'hara davis next <laughs> Uh, this is Fight Night on TalkSport. Myself, Adam Catterall and Nick Pete, as usual in the studio. Jamie Moore's with us. Uh, and Jack Catterall is with us. Now, contrary to belief, me and Jack are not related. Oh, finally, you've come clean about it. He always says yeah. that you're related. You know, well, he yeah. always drops it. You know what I mean? Oh, Jack. 
Oh, Jackie, you usually right. say. Calm yourself down. <laughs> um, I just want to. I just want to take us back to uh, the start of 2016 when me and you were sat on a different uh, show, our very own uh, podcast, yeah. and we were picking our uh, ones Prospects. to watch, ones to watch for that particular year. Yeah. Who did I pick? Pick Jack. I picked Jack, didn't I? Of course. He, he went did. through everybody like a dose of salts, didn't he? You know what I mean? <laughs> Easy work. He's continued to do that in 2017 and 2018. Jack, welcome to the show, my friend. Now listen, the the start of the career, absolutely tremendous. Undefeated, doing what you were doing. At what point do you then decide, right, okay, I need to go and hang out in Salford with this clown uh, to take myself to uh, to the next level? Uh, it was January this year. Uh, mm. Made the transition. And by far the best move I've done so far in boxing and my... I'm enjoying boxing again uh, through through different circumstances. This is where I've ended up, and I believe everything for a reason, but I'm enjoying it now and obviously looking forward to this next fight in October. Talk to me about early career, mate, just for our listeners that don't know too much about you. Uh, like I said, undefeated uh, professionally, but what gets you into it? What gets a young Jack Catterall into boxing rather than playing football in the northwest of England? Uh, I think it was just the local amateur gym. It was only up the road from where I lived uh, we only live in a small town, so everybody's been through the door of the gym. Town of Roundabouts, Charlie, just in case people around the nation don't know too much about it. <laughs> that was it. My older brother went to the gym. Uh, he didn't last too long. I went down there. He said, you've got to come back when you were 10. So I went back down, and then ever since then, uh, that was it. Never looked back. Jamie, when he comes in and obviously approaches you to, uh, to, to work with you, and obviously you've got some fantastic talent in that gym already, yeah. what, what did you see in him in order to think, I can do something with this kid. I can take him to that next level. Well, I'd already seen Jack. Jack had been down to the gym sparring with a couple of fighters who was based in my gym back in the day. You know, uh, Tommy Coyle, yeah. uh, Ricky Boyle, and so I knew I knew Jack, and obviously I'd watched him as a fan as well. You know, uh, admiring his work. But sometimes you can't help but just watch fighters, and, and you sort of start to think, oh, if only did this or did that and really back, back, back then when he'd, he'd been down to the gym I was only sort of playing at the game as in as far as training people was concerned and, and I think working on the TV you know working doing Sky yeah. stuff sort of makes you analyse people's styles more so so like I'd come out of f fighting um, as a professional myself straight into the TV work and it was a very different sort of ball game so I analysed boxing much more than I did before, yeah. because before I just appreciated, you know, the sport it was, and I'd only ever sort of look at somebody if I was fighting them. Mm. So now it was my job to analyse, and I think that's had a massive impact on me as a trainer now, because I, pro I probably analyse people's styles much more than I would have done if it had not worked for Sky. So, yeah. so, so that's helped me in that sense, and you know, just little things like Jack's always been he's, he's got real good anticipation his, his reflexes are really good he's got a brilliant defence um, and super talented fighters like that where it comes really naturally can sometimes be a little bit lazy or not lazy but you know don't work as hard as maybe a lesser talented fighter would because that's what they've got to do mm. I was probably guilty of doing that myself I, I, I could I had a better boxing brain than physically I could actually carry out myself you saw so it but then you couldn't. But I couldn't probably yeah, yeah. physically do it. Yeah. So, so, so I made sure I was really strong and really fit, and I'd outwork people. Whereas Jack's that talented that not to blow smoke up his backside while he's sat here, <laughs> but he can sort of take it a little bit too easy sometimes. So my job's been more about adding gears. Yeah. Um, you know, making sure he goes up and down. Text them. You know, obviously that defense part of his game is is 
a really important part of it, mm-hmm. but not relying it too much. You know, offensively, he can he can be better, and it's all coming out now. It's all coming together. You know, the first two fights we had, he had two first round wins. Mm. It was a big big puncher for a light welterweight, and uh, you know, I think this fight is is going to be his coming out part in in a sense because we seen what Taylor did to Awara Davis, yeah, and. And I know he's been called a quitter, and I've watched that fight back a few times now because of this situation. I don't believe he is. I just believe that he got the fight knocked out of him. Yeah. And then that last little second where he sort of turned his back made him look like a quitter. But I'm telling you now, Josh Taylor beat him up that fight and he didn't quit. Mm. So so we've been saying, you know, he ain't, I don't think he's going to quit. No. I think he's going to probably be a bit braver yeah. than maybe he would have if he had not been beat off Taylor because he's had that bit of stick. But at the end of the day, I've got the much more intelligent fighter. He, he, I don't think he'll understand how hard Jack Cattrall punches, never mind how hard Awada Davis punches. And I think that's all he's really got. Uh, you know, as much as he is a big, big puncher, but that's all he's got to rely on. He, he isn't going to outbox Jack Cattrall. The only thing he can rely on is a big punch, and uh, it's going to be our job to stop him from doing that and, uh, and you know, going about the job the way I know he can go about it. But... Uh, He's flying at the minute. Him and Tommy Cole spied yesterday, and I tell you what, you'd have paid good money to watch it, I tell you. Was that with flour and eggs, or was that just with gloves? <laughs> well, you can imagine what Tommy Cole had a David yesterday. He sparred six rounds with, with Jack Cattrall, yeah. and he punched the living daylights out of each other, and then he's had to clean his car twice, yeah. get chased around the car park mm. off Rocky Fielding. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just what It's just another day of the IQ. It is like a, an episode of Laurel and Hardy up at that gap. Oh, Benny Hill. Uh, yeah, for those that don't know too much about it, I encourage you to follow all these gentlemen on Instagram because they document it extremely well. They have uh, been practising the floss as well recently which is going yeah. down a right street uh, there's a couple of lads there that are doing extremely well Frampton got it eventually didn't he he got there eventually he, with it. He's, he's got it now yeah. but it took him a while Conrad and Nigel yeah. Travis have not got a clue I've no. got to be honest I can't call anyone I'm no. all good at it yeah. Jack, Jack won't participate he's uh, too <laughs> sensible for that he's too cool for all yeah, that too cool, too cool. Um, Jack regarding um, your more recent fights I think a lot of uh Fans gave you a lot of kudos after uh, you won the British title against Taron Nurse. Obviously, people know him and the way that he goes about. Very slick operator, and you dealt with him quite comfortably, I thought, that night. Yeah. Uh, and then even more so, last time out. Yeah, that was uh, my favourite performance. Because Jack. you took that on such short notice. Yeah. And in fact, no disrespect, but you were stepping in for somebody, and actually, with you stepping in, made the fight more attractive well, much for better fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you versus Taron McKenna was a much more attractive fight, and it lived up to the bill. I think a lot of people got a lot out of that, and watching you that night... I think you got a lot of credit from fight fans that didn't necessarily know too much about you. Yeah, that experience was uh, brilliant. I boxed her, it had been like six weeks before in Leeds. Mm. Um, we got another first round win, so although it was good to get the first round win with Jermaine, the new team or whatever, we didn't... Have to, we, obviously, we're learning in the gym, but as the fights, there wasn't too much to take away from the fights, but obviously the fight with McKenna, got the 10 rounds in the bank, uh, had the fight in Leeds, had a couple of days rest, Got the call. It was five weeks. We was in good shape. I was enjoying what I was doing, so it yeah. made perfect sense uh, to go into that fight. Dan- dangerous fight, though. I Absolutely. mean, Ty- Tyron was on a, a, a decent run at that particular yeah. well, time. The I'd, home fighter as well. Exactly. And I dropped in on that camp. And I'll tell you one thing: Tyron McKenna is one of the fittest kids I've ever seen. You know, yeah. I've seen plenty of lads go through their SNC routine, but he, he's just absolutely relentless. I think he he proved that in Belfast that he's got some heart and some engine on him. Well, I think the reason he's, he got through the fight was because 
for that exact yeah. reason. You know, his conditioning carried yeah. him through. He's re- conditioning, especially recovering from heavy knockdowns. Yeah. That is a plays a big, big part in that. And it, you know, I, I was even surprised because um, Jack performed really well in that yeah. fight as well, really, really well. But but Tyrone McKenna was that was his coming out party really. And you know, how many times have we seen it where people come out with more credit? In a loss, sometimes as they do with a win. You know, Absolutely. in all his wins before it, he's come out with more credit. Losing to Jack, at, but he'll take so much from that fight, and it'll yeah. improve him as a fighter. But I was over the moon with Jack's performance. It's just that he did make a few little. Or he didn't make. He didn't make mistakes. He, he made decisions at different parts where he could have made a different decision, which would have made the fight easier. Yeah. So it wasn't that he made mistakes. It's just things he can do better. Mm. And uh, there's always room for improvement. But it was a really, really, really good performance. Phenomenal, yeah. You mentioned um, obviously you two teaming up in January and. Jack, you've just been saying there that you've been blowing kids away in the in the first round, right? Probably no need for a shower after the after those <laughs> types of fights, my friend. But at 25 years of age, do you feel now that you're getting stronger? That you, the, the the power is more naturally there. People talk about man strength, don't they? You know what I mean? You're growing into that physique now at the weight that you're fighting at. Are you feeling that you're getting a lot stronger there? Yeah, I feel stronger. For me, over the last couple of years, it's just about about learning. I felt strong for a couple of years, but it's about using it right in the gym and practicing things uh being good around the body it's all right being a strong puncher mm. uh, being a fast puncher but you want to be good at everything so it's about just learning new things every day and putting it all together mm. jamie how quick do we move him along um i'd like another maybe two fights after this one t- just to make sure everything's bedded in properly because you know doing stuff in the gym and then doing a fight are two different scenarios because sometimes it takes a while for it to come second nature and it's all just starting to fall into place now with Jack. So this fight with Oara Davis, like the reason I'm saying it should be his coming out party is because it's all really started to come second nature now. Yeah. So the stuff where we've been drilling it and drilling it and drilling it since January, it's, yeah. all, it's just coming naturally now. So, uh, so I'd like another couple of fights as he steps up now, but I, I said this in an interview a couple of months ago, if the opportunity came up where they said, right, okay, you're on. Jack can fight Hooker next. Yeah. We take it because I'm sat here and I haven't got a world title at home because I never got the opportunity. So you can't turn those sort of opportunities down. And ideally, would have liked another two fights, yeah. But mm. I know for a fact he's capable of beating someone like Hooker now. Mm. Nick, we've spoke about on, on many occasions regarding Jack and a couple of other lads as well on the British scene that maybe haven't had the limelight thrown on their talents, mainly because maybe they're not with a certain promoter or a yep. certain television channel. Now Jack's getting the opportunities on the likes of BT, and especially, and this is not disrespect to Ahari, he is a, people know who he is, he's, he's got that big profile name. People are going to tune in to watch him either knock someone out or want to get knocked out himself. And with Jack being in the opposite corner, this is a huge opportunity in Leicester, isn't it, for him to propel himself into the into the echelons? Yeah, let's let's be honest. Josh Taylor used O'Hara Davis as a springboard to to become a you know a future world champion. If you like, he put him on, literally put him on the map. It's put him in as the top seed in the World Boxing Super Series tournament, which is about to kick off soon, and you know it literally made him a, a household name. And I think exactly the same position here for Jack as well. Um, O'Hara knows how to talk up a fight. You certainly know how to finish a fight. I think it's got all the ingredients to be an absolute barnstormer. Um, you know, I kind of agree with Jamie. You know, I think in a lot of ways Jack can make this fight as hard as he wants to make it. Mm. He can fight O'Hara in the trenches if he wants, or he can kind of you know approach it far more technically. But from a British fight fan perspective, it's a it's a battle of Britain, isn't it? It's absolutely perfect. No, it is. It's a cracking fight, and uh, it is happening at the Leicester Arena uh, on the sixth uh, of. 
October, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Got that date yeah. right. Um, do stick with us. We're going to continue talking about Jack and uh, his plans in the world of boxing next. This is Fight Night on TalkSport. Uh, you're listening to TalkSport. Um, this is Fight Night with me, Adam Catterall. I had, a, I had a guest, Nick, lined up next, just to add a little bit of spice, a little of bit of flavour uh, to the show. Uh, but sadly, that particular guest phone is currently switched off. I, I hope that that is not a sign of the fight that is upcoming on the 6th of October, uh, because that guest would have been O'Hara. We were, we were, uh. well, we're ready to do a little bit of a press conference here, there and everywhere. That's what uh, we do. But he's not picking up, sadly. No. So uh, we'll, we'll, ca- we'll carry on training him so we can have a bit of a chinwag with him, because he does like to talk the talk, and I just thought it'd be quite entertaining. Uh, regarding the World Boxing Super Series and uh, Super Lightweights, Jack, you're looking at that tournament there. There's, uh, there's some unreal talent. Uh, going in there. Um, and as you look at that, as Jamie was just saying there, O'Hara Davis, maybe another two, that kind of might line you up at the end, maybe this time next year, to be to be talking about the person that comes out of that uh, as the victor. Of course, yeah. Like Jamie just said, everything for a reason. Uh, there's a lot of talent going into that competition. Uh, obviously, I'm not going in the, the tournament now, but I've got a fight scheduled and you never know. 12 months, 18 months down the line when that tournament's finished, then belts know that Crawford vacated will all be picked up by different fighters. Yeah. And down the line, I'll know I'll get my opportunity to challenge for one of them belts. As you look at the guys that have gone in there, who do you think is going to come out as the main man? Uh, I fancy Josh Taylor for the, to win the tournament. Yeah. I mean, you never really know in them tournaments, a lot of good fighters in there, but I'll be keeping an eye on them all. Mm. Two lefties, eh? Battle, of, Battle of Britain. There's, a, there's, there's tons of talent in there. He's yeah. four in it out of the eight. So yeah. I think I think Jack's right. I, I think I probably fancy Taylor to win it. I think that yeah. Postol fight last time, it, it, you know, it was a close fight. It was a tough fight for him, but I think that'll stand him in good stead for this now. I thought it'll sort of make him, it, or it'll took him to the next level. He was, he was probably that step up what he needed just before this tournament. So uh, so I fancy it. But these again, these, these taunts. Uh, tournaments like that are brilliant for boxing. Of course. You know, they just, um, the Cruiserweight one, for instance, everyone knows Usyk now where they wouldn't have known him before that. Yep. Um, certainly on this side of the pond. Yeah. And now, it, as it, as it's come to fruition, that he's going to be in, um, looking like he's going to fight Tony Bell, which yeah, yeah. Is, a, is a huge fight now, which probably never would have happened no. if that tournament didn't take place. Absolutely. No, absolutely not. It's all about profile at the end of the day. And that particular profile, the inaugural year, has done wonders for that cruiserweight division. Of course, the guys that are screaming at the radio right now that are boxing hardcore go, I knew about Usyk, I knew about Gassiev, I knew about British. Yeah, okay, we're talking about new fans, trying to invite new fans into the sport. The guys that are going to be packing out those stadiums. And like you said, November, who'd have thought Bellew Usyk for all the marbles in the cruiserweight division? You'd have thought that could have been a pay-per-view seller. That's the whole thing. But that's what this tournament does for your profile. So right now, Jack's in a position where he's kind of got to keep on track because in 12 months' time, he's going to be perfectly placed for the winner. But there's also a world champion not in that tournament, in Morris Hooker, that we know in this country. We've seen him fight here. Mate of ours, isn't he? Mighty Mo. Mighty Mo's a superstar. Oh, he's a mate of ours, yeah. Went to Manchester, beat Teddy Flanagan. You're rated highly with the WBO. We can sort that out, no bother, can't we? Of course, that's it. That's got to be on the cards, surely. Surely you against O'Hara. Wouldn't that work as a final eliminator, Jamie? Well, he's definitely an eliminator. So he's not a final eliminator. But you, you know, you know the way these things work. And the WBO uh, ratings, Jack will be right up there. And as soon as they have their meeting, and uh, you know, when, when he beats Oara Davis, I wouldn't be surprised if they put him in as a mandatory. So we'll see. We'll, we'll see how it plays out. But you know, talk, talk, talking about profile as we have been doing, mm-hmm. and, and you know, going back to the, the Bellu Usek um, instance. 
that's the fight was only taking place because of the tournament, because of profile. And the only reason it can take place is because of pay-per-view. Yeah. And I know we, we have a lot of people complaining about pay-per-view. And, and you know, I'm one of them people sometimes who've got, oh, I'm not another pay-per-view. Mm. But you know what? I'd much rather pay 10, 15 quid and watch a top-class fight than mm. not at all. Than not see it, yeah. And, and, you know, you'd soon be having people complain if there wasn't enough boxing and they'd be going, well, you know what, I'd pay 15 quid for a pay-per-view if we, if we could have a big fight on. So, yeah. you know, you're always going to get the people complaining, but you're right, we need to build... Um, it's not about the hardcore fans who don't know you sick. It's about the the you know your casual boxing yeah, fans who who, 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 now, fans. who now know about yeah, yeah. him who are going to buy a pay per view with him and bell you. No, yeah. absolutely. And uh, you must take a little bit of uh, confidence as well, Jack. That politics sometimes can get in the way of fights. Now we know that Morris Hooker is connected to Eddie and Matchroom USA. Yep. Uh, you're connected to Frank, right? But. It looks like them two have made, made deals. They've had a little bit of an handshake recently. Billy Joe Saunders is uh, fighting on an Eddie card over in the States. So it can be done, my friend. You know what I mean? So politics, hopefully, will not get in the way of your world title ambitions. Yep. Yeah, of course. After that uh, Billy Joe fight was announced, it gave me confidence that these fights can happen in the future. That we can all be friends. We can <laughs> yeah. all be friends and we can <laughs> no all be sensible <laughs> and we can all get a fight on for the fans. That's what we all want, isn't it? The, the end goal has got to be that the love of boxing and, it, and it, if, we're, if we've all got the same sort of ambition of putting the best fights on for the fight fans because at the end of the day if we put the best fights on everyone's a winner because if you're involved in a big fight you're going to get well paid uh, the promoters are going to get good numbers and revenue in the, in the arenas and on uh, pay-per-view everyone's happy so, and they'll come back exactly they've had a night out they've seen some fantastic action I'm coming to the next one yeah. Yeah. and it just keeps on going and keeps on going if you're putting duds on yeah, that's not going to happen. You've got to keep putting no. on the big fights. And the big fights, unfortunately, you know, as we're alluding to there, sometimes you got you got to pay extra for them. Mm. Otherwise, we'd never get to see them. You know, I, I remember boxing 10 years ago where we'd be kicking and screaming about fights that just were impossible to make. Whereas now, because of the, the pay-per-view, because of the pay-per-view market, everything's possible these days because money makes the world go round. Mm. So anything can happen. And that's why I truly believe that, you know, that's, that's why we're getting Fury versus Wilder. And that's probably why we'll get AJ versus the, the winner, hopefully next year, fingers mm. crossed. Mm. Uh, regarding yourself, Jack, and Jamie, obviously in that gym, Jamie's been on the show a couple of times and, and the, the rhetoric of success breeding success, which we've seen in your gym, obviously through Carl, through Rocky and through others that are doing extremely well and putting in uh, career best performances. And now we're seeing this uh, with Jack. You must be yourself, Jack, like around Carl Frampton, for example, around Rocky Fielding going out to Germany and winning a version of a world title, you must be looking at these lads coming back with these trinkets or going out there yourself and spending time in these environments and you must be thinking to yourself, I fancy a bit of this, this is a bit of me, this. I could, I, I could get involved with this. Of course I do, yeah. We was out in Belfast uh, for the week, fight week with Carl and the other lads that was on the show and it was brilliant. But for me, it's just about when you go in the gym every day, seeing how them fighters prepare for their fights, big world title fights, uh, Commonwealth, British, all different types of fights and just seeing how them type of level fighters prepare for the fights and mm. picking things up in the gym every day off, uh, off Jamie, Nigel and all the lads. It's a, it's a brilliant environment to be in for me. Jamie, from your point of view, because I know you're massive into the psychology side of this sport, for young lads like Jack to be in Carl's presence on yeah. the biggest night of his life when yeah. he's taking on Windsor Park, yeah. even though he's not fighting... Just to be around it, to walk the walk and just to feel the atmosphere, it's massively important for the latter part of his career, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. And and that's what I said to him. I said, listen, come over there, spend a fight week out there with us because you'll get loads from it. It's not just about physically doing stuff sometimes. It's just about being in that environment. You know, I, I took my son to the Manchester Arena for years when I was working for Sky 
just in case. And I know it sounds stupid, <laughs> this, but he's been around boxing. Just since. in case he wants to be a TV presenter, is exactly. what you want to say. That's it, that's what <laughs> no, you say. We don't want to see him get in the ring. You want to see, you want to see him doing what me and Nick do, right? <laughs> but, but, but the method to me madness is if... He then chooses when he's 14, 15, because I'm trying my best to keep him away from boxing. Yeah. I don't want him to get punched in the face. I love him too much. But if he turns around to me and says, I want to be a boxer, then I've given him a lot of experiences. He knows already. what he's getting himself into. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and sort of the first time you fight in front of the cameras, for instance, it, it can be, it can overawe you. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you think, wow, you, you sort of go within yourself sometimes. And he's just been around it for so long now. I'm imagining it'd be second nature. Similar to, the reason why I said to Jack, come over to Belfast because Carl Frampton's one of the biggest stars in, in British boxing. Absolutely. So the reaction he gets when you get to Belfast, it's mental. If I walk through Manchester City Centre, two or three people might stop me and say, hiya, Jamie, all right. I walk through Belfast and mm. I'm more well-known in Belfast mm. because of Carl Frampton than yeah. I'm in Manchester. It's crazy. Well, I've been to Belfast with you, mate. It's crazy. You can't get anywhere around Belfast <laughs> with Jamie Moore. Yeah. It's absolutely nuts, <laughs> mate. just like with Carl. <laughs> Don't even bother, son. <laughs> Don't even bother. Yes. It, is, it is crazy, though, because, like you, know. like you just said, people are stopping the cars in the middle of the street just to go, all right, Jamie, lad, how are you? It's mental, <laughs> honestly, it really is. So so for, for Jack to come over there and sort of witness that and pick those little experiences up, even though you're not, you, the, you might not be able to relate them to your career at this moment in time, eventually when There'll he gets... There'll be a moment. You know, if, he'll sort of, I've been through this before, I've seen yeah. this before, you know, a press conference with 500 people there instead of 10 or 15, yeah. there's a big difference, you know yeah. what I mean? And he's experienced all that now. Mm. And hopefully, in the not-too-distant future, we'll be experiencing it for himself. It's yeah. got to be Manchester Arena, though, Jack. Don't go on these booming jollies around the world, sunshine. I know Maurice Hook is over <laughs> in the States. <laughs> But it's costing me a fortune on these air flights, pal. I can't get out to all these gigs. I mean, obviously, with me and you being related, I've got to be there, haven't I? You'll get looked after. Good lad. That's what we like to see. Family first. That's... <laughs> uh, in all seriousness, for the rest of your camp, as you just mentioned, uh, Jamie, there's a, there's a lot of lads now between now and the end of the year. Yeah. Is there any work? Can you give us anything on uh, whether we're getting a date on Carl and Josh Warrington? Because they told us in the ring that it's happening. Yeah, they're talking end of December. Okay. So, you know, fingers Christmas crossed. Christmas Day oh, in Russia. Christmas. There we go. <laughs> Rocky Christmas. Four all over again. You know, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're talking end of December, either the 15th or the 22nd is being muted. So, fingers crossed we can get something nailed down wow. there. Wow, Christmas it's, week. Uh, it's right before Christmas. Hey? Oh, yeah. So, uh, gets Matt, you out at Christmas shopping, that, doesn't it, son? Oh, mate. I'm, I'm, <laughs> You've had a world there. That's the reason I'm, I'm happy about every other reason, but... <laughs> Listen, we've got, as I said before, eight lads in the gym at the minute and they're all outed before the end of December. So yeah. Conrad and Stephen on the 5th of October, Jack's on the 6th, Tommy Coyle out in Boston on the same bill as, as Billy Joe yeah. on the 20th and then looking like Rocky early November, Martin towards the end and then Carl in December. So busy, busy. Well, we'll continue talking about this because as you just mentioned there, one of your boys, one of our favourite lads, Tommy Coyle, the American dream is on. Uh, we'll get stuck into that next. You listen to Fight Night on Talksport. Fight Night on Talksport with me and Catterall. Hope you are well. Uh, now then, in the studio, Jack Catterall and Jamie Moore, and we just talked about a couple of lads that are in your stable there, Jamie, that have got uh, upcoming fights. One of which, uh, the man with the American dream, the man that is known as the, the, the well, he's got the best fruit and veg in the whole of Humberside without any shadow of a doubt. <laughs> and now it looks like he's going into Great British Bake Off after yesterday's escapades on Instagram. We're talking about Tommy Coyle uh, preparing uh, for a fight in the States. Who'd have thought that we would have been at this stage with Tommy Coyle two years ago? Exactly. 
you know, it's a, it's, it's a great story. And uh, I told him a couple of years ago, I said, one day I'll write a book about your up and down career and life. And uh, he didn't believe me, but it's on the cards now. He's a, do you know what? He's a great kid. And this all started, really, the, the reason I'm in this position now is because of Tommy. Because he uh, he was down my ear, mithering me to help him out when he was fighting Derry Matthews. And I, I really wasn't sort of interested in getting into the training side of it. So, But I'm glad he did. I'm glad he asked me to do it. It's been a great journey with him over the last five years. And uh, some ups and downs, you know, but... I got I got through right in the deep end when you think about it. Derry Matthews outdoors in Hull mm. you know, at the at the is it was it the rugby ground or the football yeah, ground? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, and then straight after that I was in Atlantic City with Matt Macklin in my second fight. So <laughs> straight in the deep end. But I suppose that's the that's to learn the hard way. Talk to me about that first fight with Tommy because it was absolutely crackers. He was comfortably. And well, he was completely winning the fight, and then all of a sudden he gets hit with an yeah. absolute haymaker from Derry Matthews yeah, late yeah. on in that fight, and it's uh, it, it's game over. That that must have been heartbreaking going back into the dressing room thinking, what the heck happened then? I know, and, and do you know what I told him? <laughs> I told him all the way through training. I said, listen, Derry is at his most dangerous when you've nearly got him, yeah. so you've got to be careful. And just before he went out for that tenth round, I said, be careful of his left hook now. And uh, Tommy decided to try and eat it. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you know what? Um, I, I always say this to the lads: you never lose as long as you learn from it. And yeah. uh, and and you know what? It took him a long while to learn those lessons from that fight, or to, or actually take him on board and put him into practice. Because for a while, for a long while, he, he was reluctant to box, even though he's got such lovely boxing skills, because even though he did so well in that fight in a roundabout way, yeah. it undid him in the end. So he was real reluctant. To, so all he used to do is fall back to it. I love, having, I love yeah. having a scrap. And there was a turning point when he sparred with Carl Frampton. Yeah. The the first time they ever sparred, Carl Frampton jumps out of the ring and said, why don't you box like that, Tommy? I think there were a bit more colourful language, actually. In it. There was. We can't, we can't <laughs> use that, sadly, <laughs> on the radio. Exactly. But, but he, he basically said to him, you know, you've got a brilliant job, you've got great feet, I can't get near you then. And and because it was Carl Frampton telling him the yeah. penny drops, and, uh, and that's why he put that sort of performance in against Masho. It was an unbelievable performance. We were inside for that. Outstanding. It yeah. was outstanding, outstanding, wasn't it? And this was as a reward now as well. You know, I've been out of Boston, I've been to TD Garden. It's an incredible venue for fight sports. And just to have that experience, as you say, on his roster, for someone that's thought about quitting so many times before, just to see him walk out in Boston is going to be special. Hey, he's not going for a crack, son. Oh, no, yeah. He's well, he going... is. He's going to go and crack someone <laughs> in the chin, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, but his style... The Americans will love it, won't they? They, they will. absolutely love the way that he goes well, about his business. Oh, will they? Because the new and improved Tommy Carl is yeah. like... Um, he's still going to Apollo Superman. Creed, you know what I mean? He's like <laughs> the dancing destroyer on the back foot. So, you know, he can always revert into Rocky, though, and that's the that's the that's problem it. with him sometimes. But you know what? I, I've had... He's given me so many headaches over the years because of that, but... You know, in hindsight now, I won't change him for the world. He's uh, he is what he is. He's Tommy Coyle, and mm. uh, you know he can be outboxing someone, but someone might land a nice little body shot or a, a clip him on the chin, and then he starts swinging for the rafters and, and gives the crowd what they want. So, you know, 
if we didn't have entertainers like him in boxing, we wouldn't have the sort of sport what we have. So, mm. you know, I, I wouldn't want to change him that way. So I'm, I'm assuming then that he's going in in full Superman regalia for the press conferences over there. He'll be wearing his Batman kit. He'll be getting I, the full kit and caboodle out, will he? I think he's gone for the incredible. This Is time. he? Is he? Batman and <laughs> Superman <laughs> last time, wasn't it? Oh, <laughs> his kit. Boom, boom. Jack, what's it like being in this gym? Because they're all nutcases. Like we saw on Instagram yesterday, they're all having a bit of a do with each other. I've got, I've got to give it to you, pal. I mean, fair play. You do try your best to stay out of the way. Is that because you know that Tommy Coyle's looking for someone to have a go at? Is that what it yeah, is? I think yesterday when Tommy turned up to the gym, everybody was on pins. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. Nobody wanted to turn the back for a minute. Uh, too far, Tom. Too far, Tommy. <laughs> no, it's a great atmosphere in the gym. Uh, so many big characters. It's just great to be around it and just experience it. And that, I know that... You're all pals, you're going to train together, you're going to do the warm weather stuff, you're all up in Salford, and you're all active, so you're all tr you all seem to be in camp near enough at the same time. But then when you've got Rocky Fielding, goes to Germany, wins a version of a world title, that must then confirm in your head, but I mean, I'm, at, I'm at the right place here. Because we've spoken to Rocky on many occasions, Nick, over the last few years, and he's been one of those guys that has had to be patient. He's had to be really patient for his opportunity. And that opportunity came and he snapped it with both hands. And he went in there and put in an absolute tremendous performance, didn't he, against Taron Zuger? Absolutely outstanding, yeah, exactly. And he's just, it's proof in the pudding there that, you know, you put the work in behind closed doors and okay, the doors may not open for you straight away, but as long as you're ready and you're willing. And every time I spoke to Rocky, I was I think I was worse because I used to message him saying, why aren't you in this tournament? Why aren't your name getting this? Well, how come you're not getting a world title fight? And it must have been annoying him, but it, the, the work's going on with Jamie behind closed doors. So when the call does come, when the opportunity does come, he can take it with both hands. And that's exactly what Rocky did. J Jamie, is that the most rewarding moment so far as a coach? Because with all due respect... Carl Frampton was elite. He'd been a world champion before he came to you, and of course he's improving now and doing what he's doing. But Rocky was that guy that had to be patient that maybe after his performance against Callum Smith, people had brought him off. Yeah. And now where he's at, that yeah. rod that you you're taking what? him he, on. It's one of the highlights of my boxing career from the beginning, not just my training career. Mm. Um, but it's, it's difficult to compare it to different scenarios and yeah, situations yeah. because obviously they're all different. Like, for instance, me not being able to be in the corner with Tommy Coyle uh, when he won the Commonwealth title after yeah. everything what we'd been through yeah. it was heartbreaking yeah. and and one of the best moments of my career all in one go. Do you know, I was literally stood in the changing rooms wrapping Carl Frampton's hand. Watching it on iPad. Watching like, it on a phone. <laughs> <laughs> and and I was gutted that I wasn't there, but I was so happy for him. Yeah. Do you know, so... so the, do you know what? This last 12 months have been like a, a whirlwind. Where it's come from, it's just come out of the blue. And uh, I'm just enjoying it while it while it's happening because I've said a few times in a few different interviews over the last couple of months, things like this, they never last forever. No. You know, they, they sort of, they have a certain lifespan and the energy falls out of it or whatever. But usually you think eight years to 10 years maybe and then that's it and... Uh, I'm just going to enjoy it while I can, and then I'll have Moses Barn in Tenerife, and I'll be retired off That's into it. the sunset. That's it. You'll turn into Mourinho then, son. The special, <laughs> the special once. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't even start. <laughs> but from your point of view, Jack, you must see. I mean, obviously, like I just said, Carl was a world champion pre-coming to the gym. Rocky had aspirations, similar to yourself, similar to the lads that are in that gym. He has now achieved that. He's there, he's in the mix, he's talking about the big fights. People are coming to him because he's got one of the world title belts. You must look at that now and go, 
Right, the pathway's there now. It's it's, belie it's believable. You probably believed it anyway, but it just reaffirms where you were at. Of course it does, yeah. And obviously it was over the moon for Rocky and everybody's journey's different. And now in the gym, I can see everybody's journey and everybody's experiences and it's all learning for me. Mm. As I come to big fights now in my career, I've seen the ups and the downs of and heard the stories of everyone else's. I can use that experience to, to make my own path. I like the way, right? Us casseroles, we don't do the big talk. This is not what we do, right? <laughs> really? We just deal with it in the, gra in, in the ring. That's what we do. <laughs> so, O'Hara, I know you went running tonight, sunshine. You better watch out in October, lad. Because he's cool, he's calm, he's collected, he's doing his work behind the scenes. And I've no doubt there'll be press conferences where there's a few uh, people knocking about with sunglasses and all that type of stuff, looking all flash. Us casseroles won't be doing that, sunshine. We'll just be cool. <laughs> we'll let everybody else do the talking, won't we, Jack? He's done me a favour, O'Hara, this fight, I think. Because everybody wanted to see the fight and all the stuff he's done in the past, good and bad. Yeah. It's led to this moment now. And I've not had to sell the fight. The fight sold itself. Uh, we're five weeks away now from the fight. And it goes quiet one minute, he's talking the next, but it really doesn't bother me whatsoever. I think the fight's already sold, so I can focus on the training. I don't have to be out there uh, talking stupid, trying to promote the fight more. It's already sold. Top of the bill as well. Hey, he's like Marmite O'Hara Davis, though, isn't he? I think he's got a big following. People who don't like him. Are you getting people on social media saying, "Come on, Jack, do us all a favour and knock him clean out"? Every day I get messages. <laughs> and I click on the tweet sometimes, and I feel sorry for him because he's getting like real nasty messages yeah. every day, and you think, "Wow, well, we don't need that. We no, don't need that." This is, this is the, the reason why we're into this is because we admire the athletes that step through the ropes, and at the end of it, there is always respect. Whether you think someone's a prat or not, there's always respect at the end of it. Uh, and that's the thing that I admire the most of this sport. Listen, I'm going to wish you all the best, mate, because I know that you've got to get off to bed. It's past, uh, you know, these fighters' bedtimes. I don't want to keep them up. The boss is here. We've got to, we've got to get you off. Uh, but, Jack, it's been an absolute pleasure having you in the show. No, thank you for having us on the thank show. Thank you, buddy. Good luck in October. Jamie's nice going to one. stick around. Do stick with us. There's plenty more to come on Fight Night. On DAB Digital Radio and 1089 and 1053 AM, Fight Night with Adam Catterall on Talk Sport. You listen to Fight Night on TalkSport with me, Adam Catterall, Nick Pete, and Jamie Moore. Alongside me this evening, um, talking all things boxing. Lots coming up uh, over the next few weeks as uh, we announced right at the start of the show. We've got a lot of live programmes uh, coming up on TalkSport. Starting next week, we are going to be live in Birmingham uh, for uh, Amir Khan versus Samuel Vargas. Last time we were uh, at an Amir Khan fight in Liverpool, it lasted the best part of a minute as he blew away Phil LaGreco. Explosive scenes, people leaving the Aqua Arena with a bit of a skip in the step. Excited uh, that Amir Khan is back in action. Uh, you went to go and hang out with him this week, didn't you? Yeah, he was in good spirits. Caught up with uh, Amir and his coach, Joe Goosen, as well. Had a good chat with them both. And, uh, of course, a starter by asking Amir if we're going to see a little bit more of him in Birmingham than what we got to see in Liverpool. Hopefully we'll see a lot more. Um, I mean, I never go in train for a fight to end that quick. I always train for the full distance, full 12 round distance. And if I catch the guy early, then he goes down and I'm going to go for the finish. Now, with this fight against uh, Vargas, I'm not hoping to go in there and not put him away. I'm just working on a game plan to beat him, look good against him, not make any mistakes and we take it from there, really. Uh, if I catch him early, then he goes, he goes, you know. And we, like I said, I never go looking for it. What's this full camp been like with Joe? We mentioned then that you've been locked away in, yeah. in California in the middle of summer in a tiny, hot, stinking gym. And mm. it's, a, it's been a lot of hard work, but you enjoyed it? It's been, it's been brilliant over in California. Um, it's been very, very hot. Where, you know, it's a summer where everyone's out and about, chilling out, uh, having nice vacations and nice holidays. Where I've been stuck in training camp, I've been 
training day in day and training very hard in a in a small gym they have there which is an amazing gym it's full but at the same time it's super hot in the gym you know you're looking at wearing 100 and 130 degrees fahrenheit you know so uh but you know what i got through it i did what i had to do um i did all the hard work to spar and train in a gym like that and to come back and have your nice cool gyms here and have ac in the venue when you fight it's gonna be so much easier so yeah i just can't wait to kind of get it done with now also like we we changed a lot you know it was the first full camp with joe so he didn't want to shock the system the first time because last time we worked the first for the first fight against lagreco we only did four weeks of camp whereas with this fight we had the full 10 12 weeks of training and he changed my whole training method where instead of resting for a minute i was only resting for 30 seconds that includes from sparring so we still do the normal three minute rounds but with 30 second break so that's only going to improve your fitness and your stamina Joe famously is very much an old school trainer, lots of heavy bags, lots of yeah. movement, lots of head work. Yeah. Have you enjoyed kind of this kind of feeling of, of stepping back in time a little bit? That's right, yeah, it's going back to basics again, isn't it? And making sure when you go back to basics, you're making the right moves. Now, what happens sometimes, we work on so many techniques and we work on so many things that you forget about the basic stuff and you get caught with a jab, which you should, you should never get caught with. Or you might get caught with the uppercut, which really these are the shots that you shouldn't be getting caught with. I mean, the only time you catch someone is with a combination or if they, if they kind of drop their hands or if they kind of make a, make, a, make a wrong move. Not with just normal shots. So what Joe's doing, instead of me getting caught with them, normal shots I should never get caught with, he's making me go back to, back, back, go, go really back to basics again and work on my technique, my, my hands, my defense, where my hands go after throwing a combination. Which has been, you know, first couple of days I found it quite hard, but now it's got, we kept repeating it and it's got so much easier now. Uh, Amir Khan this week um, in preparation of his fight next weekend with Samuel Vargas speaking to uh, Nick. He seemed in good spirits. Um, one of the interesting things that came out of that conversation um, regarding the training regi- regime is that they've gone old school. I mean, this is a man that can, could quite comfortably afford silk pajamas. It's mm-hmm. quite difficult to get up and do those early morning runs when yep. you've got the old silkies on. I know myself, you know what I mean? I decide to decline. Um, but uh, he seems, Joe Goosen, to be quite an old school trainer there. Yeah, that's how Goosen does his business. You know, he's a, he's a very much an old school guy. It's all about the heavy bag with him. It's all about, you know, the, the rope tied across the ring, the head movement, the footwork drills. Does very little with mitts. Does no mitts at all himself, as we know. Joe loves the old double denim. And he sits in the corner of the gym. He loves the double denim. He loves the double loves denim, it. yeah. And he sits in the corner of the gym and he kind of, as other guys do him work, but... Uh, you know, even Amir admitted, he said, you know, you could count on one hand the number of rounds I've done with mitts for this preparation because Joe Goosen loves punching to the body. He's adamant that when a fighter punches the heavy bag, that's as close as you're going to get to punching opponents and you need to learn how to turn your hand over and hit with the correct knuckle and everything else. So it's quite technical way, way went into it, mm. but quite old school, Jamie, his approach. Mm. Yeah. Have you, as a as a coach yourself, Jimmy, have you ever uh, done the old Rocky Balboa Apollo Creed footwork drill in the mirror? Have you ever done that? Um, you know I've done it mean? myself yeah. many times. Oh, you've got to do that. I mean, times. that's your dream, isn't it, to do that with Vasilomachenko? Oh, that's, that, that's what you. Just that's it. You on Strictly that, Come Dancing that partnered would be up my with Christmas Week dream. Oh, absolutely. That, that's what we're going to try and get uh, nailed down. <laughs> no question about it. Um, it is interesting though when you hear that there's. Uh, dip- Different ways of going about preparing fighters for fights and what works for an individual fighter. Amir Khan there, a guy that's done a lot. Going back to old school techniques? Yeah. There's no one way to train a fighter or no one right way to train a fighter. Um, There's so many different ways to go about the job, but it's just what suits 
an individual. So, you know, I wouldn't ever profess that my way is the best way because that just wouldn't be true. Mm. It suits my fighters or it's working with my fighters, but it wouldn't necessarily work with a Khan, for mm. instance. So, you know, I've, I I feel like I've been experienced enough to, or I've gained enough experience going around different gyms throughout my career, going back to when I was boxing. I've picked up so much experience, but you never stop learning. Yeah, Amir, Amir there, Amir's been, been around the block a few times himself and he's and he's going through different training regimes and techniques what he's never been through. Mm -hmm. So he's right, sometimes going back to basics and going back to the fundamentals, what you learn as a kid, sometimes you, you've learned that much along the way, you forget about where it all started in the first place and mm -hmm. uh, you can overcomplicate it. And, yeah. you know, I think I think that's probably a good move by Joel Goosen, taking Amir back to what he's fundamentally was good at because he was always an out-and-out -out boxer. Um, I think somewhere along the way, he started to believe that he was a bigger puncher than he is. Even though he is a big puncher, he's speed more than power. That's yeah. right. It's and an accumulation I, of punches. And I think yeah. as, as long as he concentrates on his boxing skills and, and his best attributes, that will then in turn probably bring the, bring the knockouts and bring out his best performances. Mm. It's going to be interesting to see how this uh, this... This story now pans out because I'm fully anticipating to come through Samuel Vargas uh, yeah. next weekend. Yeah, and we uh, say that because Vargas has stepped up and fought two world-class guys in the past and come short yeah. dramatically in the past. So. Absolutely. Um, and there's already now talk of, well, this is a WBA eliminator, let's say. Um, and obviously if Amir comes through that, then he'll be in line for one of the WBA 147-pound titles, one of which the regular title is held by Manny Pacquiao, and I know that he wants that Manny Pacquiao fight. You had a little bit of a chat with him about that in yeah, the week, didn't you? he was adamant, and so was Joe Goosen as well. You know, they said even before Pacquiao beat Matisse, that was the fight that Amir wanted, that was the fight that Joe liked the look of. Now that Pacquiao obviously turned back the clock, let's face it, 20 years with that performance against Matisse, no one expected that. Uh, and Amir himself said, I, I couldn't believe you looked so good that night. Um, but he said that's just basically put, put some logs on the fire now in terms of where that fight's going to be. We're already hearing rumours about December. We're already hearing rumours about potentially Cardiff, maybe yeah. Wembley. Uh, Amir's hearing the same things. And he said, you know, hopefully takes care of business against Samuel Vargas. Um, that's the fight that he's going to be looking for. Kind of puts the Kell Brook fight on, on exactly. ice a little bit. Exactly. But let's be honest with you, in terms of Amir Khan's career... Manny Pacquiao is a bigger fight than Kell Brook. They're just the facts. Mm. But from the British fight fan point of view, people want to see Amir Khan know. versus Kell Brook. I think even as a British fight fan, if you're going to offer me Kell Brook versus Amir Khan or Manny Pacquiao versus Amir Khan for a world title, I've got to be honest, I, I want to see Manny Pacquiao fight in the UK. I'm sorry, Kell Brook. Mm. Okay. Regarding that then, that scenario, where does this leave Kell Brook? Because it seems like he's hell-bent on searching down Amir Khan. I mean, he was supposed to fight on the uh, Dillian White on the card. Didn't. He supposed to, was supposed to be on the Joshua on the card. He's not on that anymore. And now he's been chatting this week saying, I'm waiting for the Amir Khan knock. Yeah. It's a strange one. I've got to be honest. I, I don't really know the sort of method behind it because as it looks from the outside looking in, Kell Brook's been being left on the shelf and, and he's not really sort of mm. gaining any progress in that sense. I hope not. I hope there's something going behind the scenes. What what we we don't know what's happening and then all of a sudden, as Eddie Earn has in the past, out of the blue, he, he pulls There's out a rabbit. blinder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so I hope that's happening for Cal because it'd be a shame for him to just sort of sit and, and sort of, you know, waste away in that sense. Um, but yeah, I, I like the uh, Pacquiao fight for for Amir Khan. I didn't three years ago yeah. because I thought it was it was it was a dangerous fight for Amir. But I know I know Pacquiao looked class last time out, but I think there's a certain style where 
where Pacquiao's always going to look good against. Yeah. And that's you, you sort of come forward, flat-footed pressure fighter, he's always going to look sharp. Absolutely. Whereas Amir Khan's a totally different kettle of fish of in that sense. And, and in sort of timing and his timing and distance at that age, I think he will be, he'll struggle to come to terms with against Amir Khan. Yeah, if we get the Pacquiao that for Jeff Horn, I think you've got to look at Amir all day. And also, yeah, he beat Matisse to become world champion again. But Matisse was so bad that night against Pacquiao. He was so poor. Um, it really, he missed out on the legacy fight himself. And I think that's what Ami was trying to get across to me. He was like, for him, Kel Brook's not a legacy-defining fight. Ami Khan's resume has got bigger names than Kel Brook, with mm. all due respect to Kel. Kel Brook needs Ami Khan more than Ami Khan needs Kel Brook because Ami Khan fighting Pacquiao at Wembley, potentially, or Cardiff for a world title... That could be the perfect swan song mm. for Amir to sign off in style as well, become yeah. world champion again. Now, we are at Wembley Stadium on September the 22nd for Anthony Joshua versus Alexander Povetkin. Uh, and Gareth A. Davis has been catching up with the uh, last man, not just Brit in Britain, but the last man in the entire world to be the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world, the one and only Mr. Lennox Lewis. He caught up with him earlier on this week. We're going to hear from him next on Fight Night. This is Talk Sport. You're listening to Fight Night on TalkSport. Now, that music can only mean one thing, that my uh, long-haired lover has decided to up sticks once again. It's uh, it's that time of year where we avoid each other by going on uh, holidays week after week after week. Last week, I was uh, over stateside. This week, he's decided to go into deepest, darkest Naples. What are you up to, you? I'm in the Gulf of Naples, Adam. Good evening. Lovely to hear from you. And... I'm actually just taking a tiny little break, as you were, before we go into, I think it's nine weeks in a row of fight madness, or for us, fight thrills and spills and what we absolutely love. So I am doing nothing more than standing on my balcony overlooking the Gulf of Naples with a castle in the background, a big, um, big harbour in the foreground, and I've had plenty of pasta, vongole, um, ricotta cheese, and I'm ripped up and ready to come back next week. Now, I know that you're a tequila drinker, my friend, but you must, you must get involved in some of the uh, finest vintage red wines that, are, that they have to offer. So we've had some lovely Chianti while we've been here. We've been on the Limoncello Trail down the Amalfi Coast. Um, no, it's, I mean, God, it's, it's Epicurean heaven here. And uh, I, I don't, don't even know what that to... word means. What you said? Come on, man. <laughs> Well, here's a little fact for you. There's more, there's more Michelin stars in Naples than there is anywhere else in the world. So having tried to get rid of my belly for the last year, it's come back in the last three days, unfortunately. Don't worry, I've got Jamie Moore here, sunshine. He said that he'll whip you into shape once you're back in Salford, all right? Love to. Absolutely love to. Uh, now, listen, before you decided to jet off, uh, you went to go and hang out um, with the last undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. I did. Um, I sat down with Lennox Lewis on Wednesday at the Peacock Gym, the brilliant, bustling Peacock Gym uh, in East London with a, with a very sad statue outside, of course, of Bradley Stone, who lost his life as a boxer. Um, you know, it's the place where people like uh, um, Anthony Yard and Daniel Dubois plying their trade at the moment. Daniel wasn't there on Wednesday. He's, believe it or not, 
being a sparring partner in, in Russia for Alexander Povetkin. So hopefully he's beating six bells out of uh, Alexander Povetkin right now So to make the job uh, easier for Anthony Joshua. But sitting in a ring opposite me there was Lennox Lewis. And I'm going to throw this in line straight away. And I began, Adam, uh, Jamie, Nick, by asking him, in this era, would a fight between him and Riddick Bowe have happened rather than Riddick Bowe dropping the WBC belt into a trash can. You know, we talk about uh, Riddick Bowe, and I remember Riddick Bowe uh, when I was going up to get my gold medal, <laughs> and Riddick Bowe looked over at me and he said, Lennox Lewis, uh, I'll see you in the pros. I'm like, good, yeah, I'll see you in the pros. And then as a professional uh, athlete, boxer, I seen him boxing, and in the pros, and um, you know, he's boxing uh, Evander Holyfield one one time, and came out of the ring, and he came right beside me, and I thought it was going to go off, so I actually kept my hands up, and I heard myself echoing back over the microphone, and um, um, I thought it was going to go off there, but his uh, manager so smartly did, Rock Newman, um, moved him along, but it could have went off at ringside, and uh, you know, there's different. Um, Stories I could really tell you and fill the the public in September 6 at the Indigo and tell them exactly you know how I felt about this guy. I'm sure there were nerves when you fought, but are you nervous about how much prep have you done to go on stage for these hours? Is there, are there nerves for you? No, um, not really. Uh, it's, I've always been on stage. It's, you know, it's like stepping in the ring. You know, you, you know, are you, are you uh, nervous because there's so many people watching you? No, I'm just all about the craft, all about the art. One of the things that has been so clear to me after you retired is the amount of love that's grown for you as a fighter and as a character and as a personality and as a gentleman um, pugilist specialist, um, to use one of your terms. That, that, well, that, that it does seem that your standing with the sports public and the public in general has grown since you retired, almost more than when you were even fighting. You know, I think it's, um, uh, it's how you carry yourself as an athlete and as a person. And, you know, I don't really change. I'm the same person as, an, as a champion and as a um, person that's come out of the ring. I still live the same way and have the same uh, point of views. When you look at these current crop of heavyweights, perhaps the Deontay Wilders, the Tyson Furies, the Anthony Joshuas, the Dillian Whites, throw Joseph Parker in there, maybe Huey Fury, um, and one or two others, Daniel Dubois coming up, uh, Alexander Povetkin, do you think, nah, I'd have been the king of the jungle there? You know, I look at it this way. I look at it as, you know, Muhammad Ali had his era. You know, people always ask me and say, well, how do you think you'd do against that Muhammad Ali in that era? I'm like... You know, that's, that's, that's a different era. That era, you know, smaller heavyweights, uh, the weight was like 210. It wasn't like 220 mm. and 230 in my, in my era. This era, that the Anthony Joshua era, is like 240, 245. So, obviously, every era is growing. And, uh, you know, I think everybody, everybody that boxed in their era belongs in their era. But would you have beaten them all? Yes, of course I would have been in the mall. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I think, I, think uh, I look at it like this. I, I'm in a room filled with great men. Lennox Lewis there speaking to Gareth Air Davis a little earlier on this week. Gareth, why, why is he in the country at the moment? Lennox, uh, who's 53 tomorrow, by the way, is doing uh, an onstage, an undisputed 
uh, night at Indigo at the O2 Arena with the comedian Russell Peters on stage. Apparently, Vitaly Klitschko will get on stage with him at one point. I remember there was those fatuous news stories that were doing the rounds that they were going to fight again. But actually, they're going to have a chess match, I think, a speed chess match, so I hear. But I think... You know, the great thing is Lennox hasn't done this before. And as I say, he's re- he reaches 53 tomorrow. And I think one of the other things he said to me there was, you know, I said, what have you learned about the dark trade, as we call it sometimes, um, over, you know, now that time has passed and you've been away all these years, you know, 15 years since he retired. And he said, you know, hopefully you just grow older and wiser. I went to a funeral the other day with Mike Tyson and we sat there as friends and I'd never have been able to imagine that and you can't imagine that when you're still in the era of fighting yourself and I think it's going to be very interesting on Thursday night because I think Lennox is a guy who holds his cards generally very close to his chest I thought he was on in terrific form he was wearing green fatigues by the way even green Dr. Martins but there is something special in those kind of melodic powerful um, Canadian, Jamaican, British words of his, as he is, he's, he's a kind of tripartite nation himself. And I think he has become a kind of great statesman for the sport. And I do think it's true. I don't know whether, whether all three of you believe that, that Lennox has actually become more loved since he stepped away. Yeah, do you know, Gareth, I, I've said this for many years. I think Lennox Lewis is a prime example of someone who's appreciated more after his career, you know, in hindsight, it, it looks much better. I've got to be honest, I'm I'm guilty of that myself. I, I think I appreciate him more now as a fighter than I did when he was actually around. Um, I, I think Joe Kalzak is another example. I think we we appreciate him more now um, after, you know, in hindsight. No, I completely agree. And here's the other thing about Lennox, um, which we didn't hear there. I really pushed him on the three undefeated heavyweights. Uh, well, we think we can say champions because we can call Tyson Fury a returning champion. And he gave a great assessment of all three. He believes that Anthony Joshua is doing a fantastic job at the moment. Obviously, Anthony holds three of the world title belts. We know what Lennox did. He, he, he lost the world title twice. He won it back twice. And he believes that Anthony is a great role model and a great pioneer for this era. He thinks Tyson Fury, he still believes Tyson Fury, as many of us do in the industry, is the man who beat the man and beat the man. And that's the way Lennox speaks. And that he has a right to claim uh, the lineal title, even though he was away for 30 months. And he also says, and rightly so, Deontay Wilder, though, is probably the most dangerous man out there. And, and that's what I like about Lennox. He doesn't kind of mince his words. He doesn't give away too much, but he's very clear about the division. And, you know, what he also believes, and, and, and again, I put this to all three of you, we cannot have another year go by without these guys meeting each other. I mean, we hear that Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder are going to fight. We need the... I know that Sky... Sports and, and Frank Warren having a spat on Twitter about it at the moment. There's some very interesting tweets, weren't there, put out in the last couple of days. Frank Warren responding this morning to a Sky Sports story. But we, Lennox feels, and we have to agree with him, that these three guys must all meet each other and maybe even more than once. Gareth, don't you worry. That fight between uh, Deontay and Tyson will probably get announced on the weigh-in of uh, Anthony Joshua versus Alexander Povetkin. You know how this thing yeah, works. Yeah, they all yeah. like to get top trumped up, don't they? They all like to, uh, like exactly. to do that. Uh, but regarding that, Nick, it, it is interesting because he has been quite vocal as uh, Lennox on, yeah. uh, on social media regarding the AJ Wilder fight not going through. And obviously he experienced something very similar, kind of similar with the Riddick Bowe situation in his own career. I just hope that we don't end up 
witnessing something like that again in this era because we need to see those boys do it. Yeah, and I'd like to think we're living in a different era now as well where, you know, sports fans full stop one thing that's on demand, you know, social media the way it is and, and also the strength of British boxing right now. I think Deontay Wilder needs Tyson Fury and he needs Anthony Joshua um, as part of his legacy to... to to, to go down in history and likewise all three of them you know the last man standing out of the three of them will be will go down and potentially be compared alongside Lennox Lewis and alongside some of the greatest heavyweights in history so they need each other to define this not only this era but their own individual legacies they will they, those are fights with that will definitely happen without a shadow of a doubt Gareth what did uh, I, I, Lennox think on yeah. on the actual on the AJ Wilder yeah. situation on that fight not happening what did, did you press him on that what, what was his thoughts I, I did I did I mean look he said things happen for a reason. He's being diplomatic there. He knows, like we know, that Eddie Hearn, uh, Anthony Joshua's promoter, uh, Rob McCracken, uh, Anthony Joshua's trainer, they want to give Anthony as long as possible, as many training camps as possible, as much experience as possible before he steps in with, with as Lennox called him, the most dangerous fighter out there in the heavyweight division right now. Deontay Wilder, whether it's for one round or 12 rounds, he's going to be dangerous. He marauds, he attacks, he's unorthodox. He'll be difficult to train for. And Anthony Joshua, if he can come through successfully against Alexander Povetkin, who, let's not forget, is mandatory challenger, the number one challenger to two of the belts he holds. And he is a banana skin. He's a big body puncher. He's got a terrific kind of dip. Jamie will know this. A terrific dip and an overhand right if he gets in close. Has put a lot of people away. He loves to go to head and body. He's a, he's a short, stocky heavyweight. Anthony Joshua has to keep him at range and pepper him and beat him up before unleashing his right hand, much in the way that Vladimir Klitschko would have to do. And if they do that, he will have gone through another experience against another guy who has won an Olympic gold medal as he did against Vladimir Klitschko. And he will probably be ready for Wilder or Fury next year. I think it will probably be wilder at this particular juncture. I, I, I favour uh, um, Tyson Fury to get beaten by Deontay Wilder. I hope I'm wrong. Um, but I think, you know, Lennox, you know, kind of behind the scenes understands that uh, the team behind um, Anthony Joshua want to give him as much time as possible. Look, it's going to happen, that fight. It has to. We say this very often, or I certainly do. Boxing is a sport, but it's also a business. And there is no bigger money on the table than the fights between these three men. Top man, Gareth. I will see you uh, in Birmingham next week. Bring us back a bottle, will you, mate? Nice one, pal. I will indeed. Cheers, <laughs> Good night. <laughs> uh, do stick with us. We're going to continue the heavyweight discussion next. Jamie Moore's in the studio with myself and Nick Pete as well. You're listening to uh, Fight Night on Talk Sport. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. 
That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/spoken today. It's Fight Night on TalkSport. If you've only just joined us uh, for the show, it is available as a podcast. You can get us online at TalkSport.com and you can get us on uh, iTunes as well. Just search Fight Night uh, via TalkSport and it should all be there for you so you never miss any of this three-hour nonsense that we throw together on a Saturday evening. Next week, by the way, we are live from the, uh, from Birmingham for Amir Khan and Samuel Vargas. Uh, we'll start the show uh, on TalkSport 2, so if you're listening to the football, and it, may, it might not necessarily be your thing, flick over to TalkSport 2 for a bit of boxing chat, and then uh, the Amir Khan fight will be live on TalkSport uh, next Saturday evening. Myself, Nick Pete, and Jamie Moore in the studio right now. Interesting listening to uh, Gareth and his conversation with uh, Lennox Lewis. Uh, earlier on this week because it kind of leads me on nicely to where we're at for that fight in April. Um, Eddie's announced that they're doing two dates. So we're going to prevent Kim first of all, which is no easy streak. It's a proper banana skin. The guy's legit, only been beaten off Klitschko uh, in his previous uh, bouts. If AJ comes through that, then he's got a date in April uh, to uh, Wembley. Now, me and Nick have an opinion that it probably will not be Wilder with all this fury thing that is going on at this moment in time. So in your opinion, who is a legitimate person that they could put in there to fill out 100,000 people at Wembley Stadium in April? Um, you know, taking into account that, you know, if Fury and Wilder happens, yeah. then I don't believe that that turnaround would, would be quick enough. So I agree. I don't think that he would fight the winner of that. Um, and... I'd have to say someone like Dylan White. Is he the only one? I think he is the only one legitimate with the narrative that you could make for that night. I, 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 maybe. And, and you know what? Going off the first fight on its own, you mm. know, Dylan White's done so well to rebuild. He's improved yeah. massively since then. Uh, so has Anthony Joshua. So I think it's an intriguing fight. I really do. I know pe- people are going to turn around if that fight is made and go, Oh, he's Eddie recycling people and all that. But why doesn't Dylan White deserve a, no, a rematch with him? You know, this, I, think, I think he does. He's earned the shot. No, absolutely. And this kind of... I, there's kind of a bit of a mirror in here with uh, with Kel Brook that we were speaking about a little bit earlier on. A person that obviously wants the Amir Khan fight but isn't causing enough noise in the ring in order to create, I don't know, a fan backlash or whatever it may be to make that noise for him as well as him making the noise. Whereas Dylan White, I mean, fair play to the kid. Yeah, he ain't yeah. taking on mugs, is he? No. He's fighting every man and his dog, two arms, two legs, I don't care who you are, get in the ring and we'll have a bit of a go. Yeah. He's winning the fights, he knocks out Lucas Brown, he's just beating Josie Parker, we're hearing that he's going to fight Derek Chisora in December as well. Mm-hmm. What more has he got to do to get himself a shot? I think that's fair play. Yeah, I agree. And unlike Kelly, staying active, as you say, if the rumours I mean. are two and he's going to fight Chisora, you know, then all credit to him. The problem is, kind of like the Amir situation, 
Pacquiao is a more attractive opponent to Amir Khan. The winner of Fury versus Wilder is a of more course. attractive opponent to Anthony of Joshua. Course. And that's the problem. But for me, the only way that kind of pans out anyway is if Wilder does a complete number on Fury and we, there's no more narrative there to be played out. But as we know, Fury has a way of getting through fights of making fights his kind of fight mm. of, of bringing Wilder to fight at a certain the way he wants the fight to happen he did it to Klitschko he can do it to Wilder he can get inside his head and if he can get through that fight or if it's in any way close that fight you better believe there'll be a rematch and then AJ's left in the cold for April mm. and that I think that's when we will see someone like a Dillian White coming mm. Regarding elite level fighters, and I'm classing Tyson Fury as one of those. I know he's been away for a long period of time, but I'm classing him right up there because he's the man that beat the man. Would you go along with my thought process that you only get the best out of a fighter like that when there's jeopardy in the fight, when when the level that he's up against goes up? If he fights someone that he thinks is substandard, that's not at his level, he probably lowers himself to that level and just goes through the motions. When he comes up against someone proper, we see the very best. Yeah, I do. I do agree with that, but I think it's slightly different than the exact way you explained it. I think the thing with Tyson Fury is he's never looked great, or, or he's never looked like he's gone into a fight and he's blasted someone out there no. and looked exciting and explosive. The best part about Tyson Fury is his boxing brain mm. and his ability to take away from you what you're good at. Mm. So, so that doesn't make for an exciting fighter. Doesn't mean he's not a terrific fighter. No. So, so you know when it, his, his comeback fight, for instance, you know there's a lot of anticipation, but I never expected him in a million years to go in there and blast the guy out yeah. as, as, as you know as poor as that opponent was because Tyson Fury is not that sort of fighter. No. So, so when you take into account his best attribute is taking away things what you're good at mm -hmm. and his opponent isn't that good, then he's never going to look great. But someone like Deontay Wilder will bring the best out in Tyson yes. Fury because yeah. he's really good at negating, taking away that danger shot, which is the big hand over, over and right, and then making you pay for, for the mistakes you make. So, you know, him, uh, Fury, Wilder and Joshua in any combination can go so many different ways and that's why they're intriguing yeah, fights yeah. you know Joshua fighting Wilder <sighs> anyone could knock the other one out at any second and then they could rematch the week after and it could be the opposite way around yeah. so that's why they're such good fights Tyson Fury could totally bamboozle the pair of him and then get knocked out the, the next time he fights him you know they, they're such good intriguing fights so nobody's ever going to be right before the fight, you know, not whoever gets it yeah, right, yeah, yeah. whoever picks it right is going to get lucky. Yeah, exactly. And, and then they might fight again six months later and it'll be the opposite reaction. So the great fights, and you're right, they do need to happen. I just feel Anthony Joshua is such a marketable athlete. Yeah. And there's so much at stake financially with with him in, in, in that instance that if Wilder goes and blasts Fury out, that's a massive statement. And they're going to go, hang on a minute, do mm. we need this kid? Mm. Yeah, yeah. And if if Fury goes and bamboos him and, make, and makes Wilder look stupid, then they're going to go, do we need him? Yeah. They don't See, see as, as much as the boxing fans want to see these fights, Anthony Joshua doesn't need any opponent to make himself a hell of a lot of money, whereas really the other two need each other. Yeah. So... It, he, he won't be as easily led into those fights. It'll be, at the end of the day, Eddie Earn and Barry Earn will try and put those fights off for as long as possible. At the end of it all, Anthony Joshua will be the man. When he's ready, he turns around and goes, come on, let's test myself. And if I get knocked out, if I get beat, then so be it. But I need to see how good I am.
Yeah, regardless of what goes on between those two in December, the underlying tone here is that Anthony Joshua's got the golden ticket. He is the most marketable star in the sport. He's the only one that puts 90,000 bums on seats regularly. He does, you know, a million pay-per-view buys, whatever it is. And fundamentally, that's what it will all come back to. Fury and, and, and Wilder might have an absolute fight of the year contender, but while they're negotiating the rematch, they will both be thinking, actually, I got the decision here, and if I go and fight a Joshua, I can get five times the money. So that will always be at the back of every single conversation about it. Hey, Anthony Joshua, make no mistake, is at the top of the tree. It's just crazy at the moment that we're talking about the most exciting fight in the heavyweight division this year, and he's not even in it. Mm. I, d- I don't know him too well. I've obviously, for, for this show, stuck microphones in his face and asked him questions. Don't know him on a personal level. This is Anthony Joshua I'm talking about now. But he seems a very cool, calm, collected, well-rounded individual, head switched on and what have you. And that will... We'll, Listen, all fighters have some sort of ego, don't they? He's the man. In his head, he's the man in this division. And you, that comment that you just said, you're not the first person to say that, that the biggest fight in the heavyweight division this year doesn't include Anthony Joshua. That's got to hurt him a little bit, hasn't it? Of course. Of course it does, because, you know, he's the guy with most of the belts sitting on it. There's only one belt missing, really, and it's the belt that's over in America at the moment. He's kind of cleaning this division, and he's taking this division, and with it, heavyweight boxing to the next level. Mm. He's brought in the mainstream audience. Go to an Anthony Joshua fight. You can, you know, it's pockets of boxing fans. The rest of it's main, just mainstream public fans, who yeah, want to yeah. be there to experience what it's like. That's the kind of crowds he pulls in. But listen, make no mistake about it. The only reason Fury and Wilder's happening is because Anthony Joshua didn't take up that offer of, yeah. of, of fighting Wilder. Because any of those two guys, before this scenario unfolded, if they was offered the Anthony Joshua fight, they would have took it. Yeah, um, Both guys would be confident in going in there because they both believe that they can beat him. And the reason it's not happening is because Anthony Joshua's got his own agenda. Yeah. He doesn't need the other two. And that's the only reason, you see. So it's a, it's a funny scenario. But like I say, Anthony Joshua, uh, ultimately, he'll be the one who decides when those fights take place. Yeah. Regarding his fight then, that's live on TalkSport on September 22nd at Wembley in against Povetkin. Is there a, ad, any added pressure on Joshua to put on a real performance? To just make a statement to say, lads, I'm the main man in this division. Yeah, ideally, yeah. I think, and and you know what? I think style-wise, Povetkin, even though he's a potential banana skin, I think he suits Andy Joshua. I think he's a that that sort of stocky, come forward, uh, build it as for a heavyweight. I think he, he's well suited for Andy Joshua's style. So I think he'll look good. I think w- w- if and when he wins and and looks good doing it then he can sort of sit back and relax. Because if he goes in there and stinks the place out, mm. then he's gonna, he is going to put added pressure on himself. But Anthony Joshua's always had pressure on his shoulders. Of course. Ever, ever since he turned professional, it's nothing new to him. So I don't think he'll feel like it's something different, like he's got added pressure than he usually has. It's just, it's all in a day's work for him because yeah. at the end of the day, he's, he's, he's the golden boy of British boxing, world boxing maybe. And, uh, you know, I think he enjoys that tag. You know, he's such a well... Um, well respectful yeah well grounded lad isn't he yeah. great, great kid and that's he the reason it, yeah. the reason he's so popular is because a lot of people can relate to him similar to Ricky Hatton back yeah, in the day yeah, where yeah. they could so they felt like they could go in a pub and have a pint with him Anthony Joshua's you, you know he's typical he's come from the bottom and now he's here yeah. kid, street kid yeah. everyone can relate to him and uh, and I think when you when you see people being successful like that who've come from that background you can't been nothing but admirable towards him. No, absolutely so. not. And with that then in mind, with the conversation that we've just had, again, we come back 
to that narrative of Dillian White. He's earned his stripes over the since that Anthony Joshua defeat. He's gone away. He's taken his training camp up to Loughborough. He's had shoulder surgery. He's learnt the craft of boxing because let's be honest, he used to just be a, a scrapper, didn't he? He used to go in there and just have a turn up. Now he's thinking about his stuff. In the Lucas Brown fight, he was setting his shots up. He's definitely come on leaps and bounds. And the calibre of guys that he's now fighting, if he does go back in with Derek Chisora in December and comes through that fight, you can't argue against Anthony Joshua Dillian White for April, can we? I think entertainment-wise, they're oh. great fights. He's got a great style to be involved in, in re, you know, really good entertaining fights. Um, he made me laugh, actually, Dylan White, when he was talking about the rematch with Chisora. I think he hit the nail on the head. He said... When you hurt Chisora, you sort of wake him up and make him mad, and then and then and that's what you don't really want to do. He said, "So I won't be going in there. You know, I'll be I'll be boxing him and just pick, pick, uh, sort of picking, picking him up, picking yeah. him apart with the jab yeah. and stuff like that." And he's, he's exactly right. I think the more you hurt him, the more you get him wound up. I want to see that second fight though. I hope that does happen in December. Because the first you was a belter, wasn't it? I'd be happy to see White Joshua too as well because people forget in the first fight. Okay, AJ got the job done. He got the finish. But there was one point there where Wilder stiffened AJ's legs, and that's, you know, aside from the Klitschko fight, that's potentially right, yeah. the only other time we've seen AJ hit throughout his entire career was when Dillian caught him. So mm. I'm 100% down for that for April. I think fans will be into it as well. Mm, I think they will. Uh, listen, time's, time will tell on how all this plays out. September 22nd is the first date for Anthony Joshua. Alexander Povetkin is the opponent, and it's going to be live on TalkSport, so make sure you come and join us for that. Uh, we're going to the Hall of Fame next. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Fight Night on TalkSport. <laughs> Every single week here on Fight Night, we stick something into our very own unique Hall of Fame. Um, sometimes it's an individual fighter, sometimes it's a fight, sometimes it can be something not even connected to the actual uh, combatants inside the ring. Fans have even been thrown in, though. Uh, those uh, 10,000 or so people that used to travel from Manchester to Vegas to go and watch Ricky Atten are in this Hall of Fame. And today I've decided to go with something that's synonymous with September the 1st. Now... I've had to argue for this because I, we could have gone for the uh, anniversary of Rocky Marciano's death, which happened on Friday, yesterday. Uh, we could go for Lennox Lewis's birthday, uh, which is tomorrow. But today, a man celebrating his birthday is the man that put a smile on my face on many, many occasions in the late 90s, early 2000s. And he is, the, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the first Mexican to win um, world titles in four different weight categories. I'm referring to the one and only Eric Morales, El Terrible. Honestly, his fights with Marco Antonio Barrera, one, two and three, mm -hmm. were absolutely outrageous. And as a young boy, straight, straight out of school, studying this fine art and falling in love with stuff, to watch this guy go at it, end of the day, it was constant entertainment. Do you know when you sometimes log into uh, a professional football match these days? and the, You would see Man United, Jimmy, let's go with them, right? And they're taking on Chelsea. Let's not talk about them. Well, anyway. Back in the day... Oh, no, let's please talk about them. <laughs> yeah, back in the day, when it was Man United, Chelsea, you think to yourself, it's going to be a crack of that. It's going to be an unbelievable game. I've got to settle down for me Super Sunday. Nowadays, it's a bit dull. I'll be honest with you, right? But when Eric Morales' name was on a bill, you knew it was going to be fireworks every single time, didn't you? Absolutely. It, like you say, his fights with... Um, Marco Antonio Guerrero, something else. Um, and, you know, 
he's, he's got so many great wins, as you say, you know, four, four weight world champion, Pacquiao, yeah, yeah. Manny Pacquiao, you know, that was probably when Pacquiao was at his peak as well, mm. around about the sort of super bantamweight and featherweight yeah. weights. But, uh, you know, seeing him getting beat off, off Garcia, was, was just heartbreaking. He, he should never have been fighting still at that time. And just a typical example of when they go on too long. But what a fire. Mm. One, one of the greats, one of the all time greats. I've done this mainly because I've been on my holidays last week eating a lot of Mexican food. And uh, <laughs> honestly, in the restaurant that I was in, they were showing all Eric Morales fights. And I thought, bloody heck, he was good. Yeah, he was. Uh, like Jamie just said there, four weight uh, world champion. He is the first Mexican born boxer in history to win titles at four different weight classes. He had the WBC Super Bantam weight from 97 through to 2000, the featherweight, again WBC twice, uh, 2001, 2003. Uh, he unified uh, the super featherweight division and then he went on to win at super lightweight as well. I mean, that's tough we in itself, just to go through the weight categories and beat the elite fighters that were around at that time. You just mentioned Barrera, Pacquiao, all these types of kids. He beat them. Yeah, yeah. He, he had the frame for it as well, didn't he? He was a tall, slender. How he used to be in super bantamweight, I don't know. He was huge for the weight, but uh, and what a chin he had as well. He, <laughs> he even took a, he even took a, a left up, right hand off Barrera at the weigh-in one yeah, time. Or, the, or, right, or yeah. a press conference. Yeah, press. Mm. Yeah, mm. they're the phenomenal rivalry, obviously. And I was a massive Barrera fan. You I were, was always in Barrera's yeah, camp, yeah. to be honest with you. Growing up, and I was, uh, I remember when he beat Barrera, it broke me little heart. It did. So when he had the the, the following fights and Barrera got his own. I felt like we him after Nas. I, I think, felt like we I think Barrera, Barrera after Nas. was the first guy to beat Morales. I'm pretty sure he was. Mm. Uh, ended not... like a 40, 40 fight run of wins or something like that. And unfortunately, the back end of of El Terry Blaze's career was actually terrible because he, you know, he was busted for a couple of uh, a couple of misdemeanors, let's say. But in his pomp, you know, the the hate, the, the, the names that he beat on his record during that run is just unbelievable, unreal. As you mentioned, he did come back and he uh, he did fight Garcia not once. But twice, he fought uh, Maidana as yeah. well. <sighs> Just every single time he turned up, and I don't think he blocks a shot, did he? Yeah, I think he. T- I think he took them all on his face. <laughs> Do you know, I, you know, you mentioned before about Amir Khan. You know, I saying hopefully he can win a world title, and then maybe you never know. He might you know walk off into the sunset and as a world champion. He's so so rare for for yeah. that to happen, you know. We're with Lennox Lewis on the show there talking about his career, and he's one of the only ones who I can think of who, who got out on top and was a world champion when they retired. And mm. you know, in an ideal world, you'd like to see it happen more often. But the love of the game, and 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 I think more so the financial rewards, especially you think Amir Khan wins a world title. He's then in line to make so much money defending or in a fight with Kel Brook or something like that. So it's it's a difficult decision to make. And Lennox Lewis is probably one of the only people who's been in that situation where he's earned so much money that he can he can, can sort of go out right on his top. own terms. Yeah. It's a tough one. It is so rare, uh, uh, especially with with Mexican and South American fights, because a lot of these guys, as, we, yeah. as we've experienced with Canelo, they turn professional in the early teens, yeah. 14, 15 years of age. This is their life. So when they get to the late 30s, it's like, well, I don't know what else to do. This, you, this you, is what you, I do. You think scousers have got it tough growing up. You've <laughs> yeah, got to exactly, see them in yeah. South America. No, <laughs> honestly, Morales, over 60 fights, though. Yeah. Incredible. You know, over 60 fights in, in, in you know, pretty much in this era as well. It's insane. They just don't make them that way no more. And that really was for me. That was like a little golden era of Mexican Mexican fighting. You know, Mexican boxing. It was just unreal. He was one of half a dozen at that time that are you know Hall of Famers. We think we we think we come from rough backgrounds. You know, living on a council estate growing mm. up. That you're talking proper poverty where they come from. So yep. once they get 
themselves into a position where they're earning decent money. They don't want that to give up. You know, they, they want to keep it going for as long as possible. And I, I can half forgive him. You know, sometimes your legacy has to be forgotten about a little bit and financial like rewards though, and your it? family, looking after your family has got to be the main priority. But, uh, you know, in an ideal world, we'd, we'd be able to see that happen more often. We've had this discussion before regarding Roy Jones, haven't we? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a man that when couldn't let go. When away at the top. Well, Superman. yeah. But, <clears throat> again, I've asked you the question, how do you judge greatness? Do you judge it over a full career or do you judge it for a period of time? Because I think we brought up a conversation about Mike Tyson, didn't we? And the period of time between, like, 18, 19 years of age through to 21, devastating. Yeah. Absolutely devastating. But then as that career goes on and goes on and goes on and you see him, like, Lennox beat him and you see Vander beat him and you see all these other people beat him and he becomes invin- not invincible, should I say, then does that tarnish what he did in the earlier stages of his career? I don't think it can. I, th- I think the, it, it's very much your perspective on it and I, and I appreciate, for instance, that period of time of Mike Tyson and I will rarely watch any of his fights sort of... Outside of that. Post, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, 1989, yeah. before he got beat. Uh, you know, the, the fights when he came out of jail, yeah. they just basically was money. Money grabbers, was, yeah. Uh, Prince Nazim Hamid, you know... It, the short period of time he was at his absolute peak. You go in there and watch him against Spinks, for example. Ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, Mike Tyson. But, yeah, like, yeah, of you, oh, oh, right. Watch Naz against Robinson. Look at oh, Naz against Robinson. Displays oh, you know, of all time. Going, when he was going through that period where he started to win a couple of the belts, absolutely unbeatable featherweight. Yeah. So I don't think you can have the argument all day about Mike Tyson, for instance, would he beat Muhammad Ali? You know, on his night, at his peak. It, there's no saying that he yeah. couldn't, but <laughs> exactly. we, we, we can debate it all day long. But I, I don't think, um, as people's careers go on and they get past the best, yeah. it's inevitable they're not going to be as good as they was. But the, the, the window of time where they are the best, I think that's what they should be remembered for. It, it takes something, doesn't it, as, as Jamie was just alluding to there, Nick, to go away, to leave it when you're the king of the castle. Yeah, exactly. And because he, even now, and you'll yeah. experience this with working with him sometimes when you do Sky shows, Carl Frotch still talks about getting involved, having <laughs> yeah. a little turn up, yeah. doesn't he? He still talks about it, even though he's gone out and finished on the best punch he's ever thrown in his entire career. Yeah. He's done it. Done. Walk away now. You've made your money. It sounds really easy, but yeah. what, why do we... Oh, so, so I'm retired. I still class myself as a fighter. I've got that fighter's mentality. Now, I'm, I'm 40 this year. I wouldn't ever think of, about fighting again. Yeah, you would. But I'd love to. <laughs> I, so that doesn't mean I wouldn't love to, yeah, but yeah. I'd never do it because I walked away. I, I got out at the right time because I was sensible about it. And I think it, it was a, such a difficult decision to make. So... I don't blame people for going on too long because why do we do it in the first place? Who on earth wants to get punched in the face for a living? We we must have some genetic disorder, which, you know, I, I, I'm guessing years ago in the caveman days, we was the hunters, the stupid ones who went out and mixed it with the dinosaurs. I'll fight a woolly mammoth, yeah. Exactly. So, so why do we do it? We don't know, but we just love to do it. And it's like what scares you is actually what, Appeals to you, yeah, and, or, or people saying that you won't be able to do it. You think I'll I'll prove it wrong. I'll prove you wrong, and it, it takes a certain breed of human being to to want to be a fighter. So to try and tell them or stop them from doing it is really, I think it'd be wrong. But you know, there comes a point where you have to be sensible about it, and health becomes um, an issue. But while while they're young enough, they're passing all the medicals, and they're earning a living doing something they love, then why not? Mm. 
There you go. I'm sticking him in there anyway. El Terrible is in this week's uh, Hall of Fame, mainly because of that trilogy that he gave us uh, with uh, Barrera in the late 90s and early 2000s. Sensational stuff and happy birthday to him. He's uh, he's only 41, by the way. Plenty of time for a comeback, Eric, <laughs> if you're listening. He's you probably 41. Will. He's a year older than me. There you he go, probably Pam. will. There you go. Uh, yeah, uh, 1976, born. I'm 78, yeah. There you go, son. Well done. Good maths. <laughs> uh, do stick with us. There's plenty more to come uh, on the show, uh, including a little bit of a chat about uh, a certain Geordie uh, that Nick's fallen in love with. He's called Lewis Ritson, and he's performing once again uh, next weekend in Birmingham as a little bit of a tune-up for uh, him headlining his show in Newcastle, which we're all uh, extremely excited about. And also coming up in the last hour of the show, we're going to talk about YouTube celebrities having a little bit of a knock. Nick loves it. He thinks he's got his opportunity now to become a world champion, don't you, son? You're no going to win chance. the world, the YouTube yeah, world heavyweight, super heavyweight championship of the world. <laughs> uh, stick around. We'll talk about it next on Fight Night. This is Talk Sport. On DAB Digital Radio and 1089 and 1053 AM, Fight Night with Adam Catterall on Talk Sport. Hey, you listen to Fight Night on Talk Sport. It's me, Adam Catterall, Nick Pete, and Jamie Moore uh, alongside us, having a little bit of a chinwag about everything that's going on in the world of boxing. And this is going to light Nick's face up, right? Because he's fallen in love with Lewis Ritson. All right, oh, calm down. <laughs> see what, see what oh. I mean? You're off on one, aren't you? Oh. Absolutely off on one. Uh, this week announced that he's uh, back in action in his home city in October, which is going to be live and exclusive on TalkSport. He's actually going to be on the undercard of the Amir Khan show this weekend in Birmingham. Just a little bit of a tune-up, just to blow a bit of rust off, do a little bit. I don't expect him to be uh, to be there for long, maybe maybe 40-odd seconds or so, in and out, no shower needed. Yep. Um, but regarding where he can go now, because the rise has been absolutely phenomenal over the last year to 18 months yeah where he can go now we're talking to yourself jamie about jack earlier on how quickly do you speed him along regarding lewis ritson how quickly do you expect him to be in serious title contention um by early next year i think this european title fight that he's got lined up in october uh, i think he'll start as a massive favorite i think the guy who's got the belt at the moment patira uh, has been stopped before has been finished before and Lewis Ritson's proved one thing in this lightweight division, and that's he's got incredibly heavy hands. He can take a shot, but more, more than that, when he delivers a shot, um, you know, it, it shakes people right down to the boots. And, uh, you know, we knew he wasn't long for domestic level as soon as he signed with Eddie. You know, he, he, he's one of these sleeping guys that no one really knew much about Lewis Ritson, and then suddenly he got a shot on a matchroom show. Yeah, yeah. I saw it. Bang, it was in Manchester. Sensational. Well, next thing you know, a contract with matchroom, and here we go, three fights later, he's in the European title fight. The, in his hometown, in Newcastle Arena, for mm. the second fight running. Sensational stuff for him. And you know what? The Geordies have been waiting for somebody like this as well. Yeah. He epitomises what Newcastle sports fans are all about. Mm. He's explosive. He's exciting. He's one of their own. Uh, you know, I'd be disappointed. From now looking in, I know he's got a long way to go. He's got to develop and everything else. But looking in, I think, wow, this kid's got world title ambitions. Absolutely. Jamie, regarding... Hometown heroes, which you just touched on there, Nick. Right, you're experiencing it now with Carl when you go over to Belfast. Obviously, people uh, now think actually you are full on Irish, even though yeah. it's just just part of that. My I've adopted but... Belfast, <laughs> yeah. uh, but obviously, in your time, Manchester scene was booming, yeah, with the likes of yourself and Ricky and, and the likes. Hometown heroes, there's something really special about those hometown heroes, and Eddie's kind of played a little bit of a blinder here by 
by jumping on that and taking him back to Newcastle. Rather than sticking him on cards in Manchester and London and various things like that, let's go and build a presence in my hometown. Because at some point, he might have to travel, maybe abroad, and he's going to need to take a few, uh, take a few with him. Yeah, I think he's doing. He's he's sort of getting the best of both worlds because, as you just mentioned there, he's got him on the Birmingham card just to keep him ticking over. And I think that's the, exactly the right thing to do because someone like Ritson, while he's on a roll like he is now, you don't want to stall that. You want to keep that momentum going. Mm. You want to keep him in the public eye. So having him on the undercard to Khan is a smart move because it gives him an away job where he gets used to staying in an hotel and, and yeah, being away yeah, yeah. from his hometown. Takes a little bit of pressure off him, but he's on the undercard to Amir Khan, so he's going to have big viewing figures. So it's a smart move by Eddie. Then he brings him straight back to Newcastle in October. Oh, you know, fingers crossed, wins that European title, which I have no doubt he will. Um, I'm a big fan of his, I've got to be honest. As soon as I've seen him fight, he's right on my street, body puncher, hooker, you know, right in your face, pressure fighter. Um, it, there was talk about him maybe boxing Tommy Carl at the yeah, time. Yeah, which, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'd said to Tommy before before Ritson fought Cardl, I said, listen, even though he's dangerous, mm. he's very much untested. Let's see what he's like against Scotty Cardle. Now, he did a great job on Scotty Cardle, but there was a little moment well, when we, he walked into me. a shot and he just got stopped in his tracks. We were where, there We were there ringside for that. That was on... What undercard was that on? Was that on the Dillian White-Lucas Brown undercard? It was on somebody's undercard. And I remember watching that and thinking, Scott, he's got him here. Yeah, in he, the first he, round, he just, Scotty he, were on him. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't badly here, but he buzzed a little bit and he, he, he just shows you that he's a human being. Yeah. And, and it just takes away that invincible sort of cloak he had over him just for a split second and you know me as a trainer of Tommy Coyle looking yeah, yeah. at that then went listen you know he's very dangerous but he's not unbeatable yeah. and you punch a lot harder than Scotty Cardo so if that fight gets made then anyway as time as it's happens you know it was very very difficult for Tommy to do lightweight and he decided he's, he's stepping back up now so he's sort of off the cards for the time being but God can you imagine that Ritson versus Tommy Coyle what a fight that would be Northeast. Got to be, hasn't it? You've got to go humber side, north east. It's got to be well, up there somewhere, hasn't it? If you could meet somewhere in the middle on that uh, east coast, there, it'd be a massive fight, that wouldn't it? Mm. Mental. Regarding what Jamie was just saying there, there is a touch of a, uh, a vulnerability about him. Yeah. But those that heavy makes him more exciting, though, doesn't it? I was just about to say that. that, does, that make, does that make the fans love him even more? Of because he does. is rock'em, sock'em robots. Exactly. That, that Scotty Cardle fights summed him up perfectly. In the first round, you think, well, okay, he's taking shots here. Oh, he's coming under fire. And Cardle started too quick for him. And oh, Ritson, and maybe Ritson is a slow start and everything else. Then he comes out in the next round and obliterates Cardle. So, you know, that's what you want as a fight fan. That You want to go in there, you want to be entertained, especially. We talk, we've been talking about it all night, how many shows there is right now, how mm. many pay-per-view events, how many great fights we've got. We're being absolutely spoiled for riches. Now you're getting to the point that you've either got to be absolutely super talented, like an Anthony Joshua, just an absolute technician at your, at your game, or you've got to be overwhelmingly uh, attractive to watch and, and entertaining to fight. And that's exactly what this kid is. He is so entertaining. You get your, your ba every bang for your buck. And you know you're going in there and, you know, yes, he might get caught, but catch him at your pedal because if you think you've got one over on Lewis Ritten, he's going to come back even harder in the next round as his career's proven so far. I'll tell you what I like as well. Trained by his dad. You know what I mean? 
No, Messi, we'll just do this in back garden, lad. Yep. It's like when we were talking to uh, Isaac Dogbo a couple of weeks ago when his dad used to train him in uh, Kennington Park. Yeah. <laughs> he used to go, get on pads, right, go on. We'll have a little bit of a do. And now he's a, now he's a world champion. I love that. I just love the family aspect of this sport. It's just so earthy, isn't it? Of course it is. And, you know, Carl Frampton actually said to me about Dogbo, he said, I sparred him before his pro debut. And he said, he said it was a dog fight. He said, and straight afterwards, he said, he'll be a world champion one day. And he said, he's proved me right, which which is is obviously, a, was a great performance. Mm. But there's, there's something about a father and son relationship as a trainer. It's either going to be the most successful relationship or it's going to be a disaster in it because, yep. you know... It, you look at Kalzaki. Of course, yeah. I don't think anybody else could have done the job with Joe Kalzaki than than his dad did. Yeah. But you know, it's there's a fine line between you being too emotionally involved and you know, I, for me, for instance, if my son turned around to me and decided that he wanted to be a boxer, I'm not sure whether I'd be the man to train him because. I'm I'm a pretty emotional person, and as a tr as a trainer, I'm not. I sort of I'm, cold, I'm, I'm yeah. able to switch off and just totally focus on the boxing. So I don't know whether I'd be able to do that with my son. Yeah. So it very much is. I think it's a, a personality thing. I think if 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 the shoe fits, it works for you. But uh, I'm not sure it'd be the one for me that one. Mm. Uh, there's a couple of other guys on this uh, undercard that's uh, Lavin Talks bought in Newcastle. I'm going to come to your man first, all right? Yep. Because I don't know if you know this. Uh, Jamie, right? Because I said at the start of the show, uh, my one to watch in 2016, I think this is the right year that we're picking this, yeah. was Jack. I mentioned that at the start yeah. of the show. Yeah. Um, Nick poo pooed me. He didn't go with Jack that particular year. Well, I couldn't go with the same one. More fool him. Yeah. Uh, you, did, you did actually go with a very talented young lad called Robbie Davis Jr., who's getting yeah. a fantastic opportunity against uh, Glenn Foote on this card. This is the moment, isn't it, for, for Robbie? Well, again, you know, at the time. You know, Robbie was in a very similar position to Jack, you know, undefeated, whirled at his, at his fists and was very much a sleeping giant in terms of the small hall shows, wasn't really getting a breakthrough on the big time shows. And uh, and Robbie's gone away and he did, he did suffer a defeat at the end of that one year, but he's come back now, he's winning record again and he fights Glenn Foote on this undercard in Newcastle. Local lad, Sunderland boy, Glenn Foote, exactly. for those that don't know. For the British and Commonwealth belt, but listen, mm. I've been around Robbie Davis's camp for a long time, of course, his, his father was a very successful boxer as well um speaking about father and son relationships and robbie davis he, he reminds me so much of jack as well in, in regards to the fact that he needs this tv show experience he needs someone like eddie haynes get behind him he's yeah. on this show because he's he's, he's he deserves you know he, he's built his way up to get a shot at the british title against glenn Foot. but it reminds me of the lewis richardson situation i think robbie davis puts in a performance that i know he can do in this fight win these belts against glenn Foot. he will be signed by eddie haynes matching promotions the next day and it will be a similar thing to lewis richardson there's a lot of people in liverpool have known about robbie davis jr for a long time super talented kid very well liked got a massive following as well it could go off just like Lewis Ritten mm. uh, and also on the, I know that Boatz is on that card as well which you're in for a treat if you're in Newcastle you're buying a ticket and you're watching Boatz do his thing you're in for a yep. little bit of a treat with him I'm not going to talk too much about him because it seems that I uh, go crazy about Joshua Boatz every single week I want to talk about Dave Allen a man that I've written off on many many occasions and when uh, we were in the uh, Otto Arena recently just to watch him deliver that ridiculous <laughs> overhand what right punch knockout <laughs> Ball or punch from his from his from his boots. It was outrageous. I've never seen a react a crowd reaction like that for a knockout. It was absolutely outstanding. He is he's kind 
to say the people's champion, maybe he's going OTT, but he is that type of guy. They absolutely love him. He's a great guy, Dave. Uh, fan favourite, you know, social media um, favourite as well. Everyone loves him on there. He's a funny guy. Yeah. He actually played Frampton at table tennis. So we, we, <laughs> I saw the we, video. We, 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 we live streamed it because it was a bit of a build up. And it, to be fair, he was a letdown. He's a, he's a better boxer than he's a table tennis player. But, uh, <laughs> but what a great guy. And, um, you know, he, he can get better, you know. He can. I think the pen, pennies dropped with him regarding commitment and, you know, his application to the game because, you know, a lot of people copy means to stuff on social media saying, oh, get hold of this kid and do something with him. I don't think that's the right move for him. I think Mike Marsden's the right man for him. For him. I think Mike's done a great job with him. I think it's probably more his attitude towards the game which needs yeah. to, to be changed a little bit and if he tweets it you know he got himself in great shape is he in the for, right way because for, he looks i mean he's got massive legs maybe that's what it is that's that's keeping him at the way yeah, that I, 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 I don't think so i don't think so i think it'd be detrimental to him i don't think he'd have the energy levels and you know i think just getting himself in better shape condition wise yeah. um he got himself in great shape for the commonwealth title fight unfortunately he got that bad cut and they had to stop the fight early on yeah. you could see he'd really oh, applied himself for that training camp so he's got it in him yeah um, and uh, you know that little tiny um change in his application could make a big difference but i think mike marsden's the man for the job it's going to be some night in newcastle you've got lewis ritson man of the people dave allen man of the people all you need is jamie moore uh ricky atten and carl frampton on there and everybody's having a guinness after the fight aren't they they're all having a right old day i'll tell you what there's two cruiserweights on there as well simon valley who's from up the northeast and another lad from my neck of the woods Craig, craig glover yeah, yeah. who's uh who's actually managed by tony bellew tony bellew only manages one other fighter and it's craig glover he's a sleeping giant of a cruiserweight and i've seen him in the gym hitting pads a lot and the first time i seen him hit pads i actually asked the people in the gym who's the middleweight he, he's so fast he hits so hard and this could be his coming out party as well mm, there you go that's going to be live uh, in october uh, on TalkSport as part of our uh, fights that are coming up. There's a fight every single weekend in the month of October uh, and over the next three weekends as well we'll be live and exclusive uh, from various rings uh, around uh, the country. Uh, do stick with us. Uh, a little bit more to come um, on TalkSport this evening with myself, Jamie Moore and Nick Pete. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Fight Night. <laughs> Fight night with me, Adam Catterall, Nick Pete, uh, and Jamie Moore, and myself and Nick are thinking of getting ourselves involved in the YouTube game, aren't we, my friend? Because we've seen the numbers. We've seen the numbers that these two young gentlemen that have got themselves incredible followings on YouTube did last week at the uh, arena in Manchester, um, taking in tens of millions, Nicholas. None of this podcasting radio show nonsense sunshine <laughs> we need to get on youtube and knock hell out of each other that's Great. what we need to do let's, let's set up a youtube show and yeah then i'll fight you at manchester arena yeah. next year yeah okay brilliant that's it at I my, at my weight it. by the way you'll have to get down <laughs> yeah, i'll lose a leg <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it is the new generation isn't it we we saw for those that don't know a gentleman by the name of ksi and a gentleman by the name of logan paul don't ask me to tell me anything more about them <laughs> they have great youtube followings very young audiences, and there's been a bit of something going back and forth uh, between them on YouTube, and they've organised this fight. Now, fair play to them. They've sold out the arena in Manchester. No mean feat, that, you know. They've done close to a million pay-per-view buys. Yeah, and, plus, and yeah. as well as that, the illegal streams from uh, a feed called Twitch, 
mm-hmm. is double the amount of elite. So basically, what I'm yeah. saying is that approximately two and a half million people watch them yeah. have a fight in the arena, isn't, isn't as well Twitch, as the fifteen thousand. Isn't were Twitch in there. the video game one, which yeah, is where they kind of became online. famous on? It's playing video games Crazy. on YouTube, and I know it's kind of insane the money they've made. The, the craziest thing about it is they're doing it again. Well, you know why? Because Logan Paul never made a penny. That was the deal. They fight in the UK, and KSI gets all the money. And then if Logan Paul wanted to do the rematch, it would be in America, and that's when he makes his money, if he wanted to well, take man. the rematch. I wonder well, why it was a draw. Uh, exactly, yeah. I wonder why <laughs> What are you saying, draw. Jamie? <laughs> oh, King Flosses, definitely. <laughs> if, 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 if you can do that mid-fight, then oh. uh, you, 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 you've got some talent. Did so, you never uh, try it yourself? Flossing? Yeah. I can't do it stood there in front of the <laughs> without any the pressure of 15,000 people watching. Insane. A lot's been... Listen, I've... I've I was away last week and I followed a lot of this on social media and I saw a lot of people saying that it was making a mockery out of the world of boxing. I kind of see this a little bit different because anybody that is connected to the world of boxing that follows it on a week-by-week basis knows that it's not real boxing. They know that these lads are putting on a bit of something, a bit of entertainment, let's just say. They're having a bit of a go. They're making a a few quid. It's a white collar. There you go. And you can't can't turn your nose up at that. You've got to kind of commend it a little bit because they're business savvy. Well Well, done to them. The difference is usually white collars to raise charity, raise money for charity. So, Mm. you know, usually it's guys who are in suits or on building sites who have always dreamed about it with boxing fans. They go and train for six, eight weeks and then they come together on a charity night and, you know... the, the white collars I've been to, there isn't necessarily a winner. You know, everyone just kind of experiences what it's like to be a boxer. The difference, what these guys have done is obviously they've made it to line their own pockets. But, you know, the whole show was wrapped up by like 8pm that says it all kind of about the that's audience. It. That's A couple it. of fruit juices and a get bit of popcorn, job done. Yeah, exactly. Get the kids in, make a fortune. I said to you, KSI was sitting next to me at the Tony Bellew fight on the, in the press row down at, uh, down at the O2 in London. And he was absolutely swamped. There was just gangs of teenage kids coming up to take photographs of him. Mental. I had no idea who he was at the time. Obviously, now we're old friends. But it, listen, it, it, for me, this does boxing no negativity whatsoever. We know it isn't the proper game. And you know what? If 10% of that 20,000 crowd in Manchester come away thinking, I really enjoyed that, Dad, I'd love to see real boxing, then great, the sport's better for it. Or, or, or even to look at it from a different point of view, any of those young kids, because, you know, generally you're talking anywhere from 10 to 14 year old kids. Yeah. Any of them kids then go, I wouldn't mind going boxing and walks into an amateur boxing club, then even better. Exactly. So I, my, my, my look on it... Uh, oh, sorry, You've got sorry. young kids. Did, were they interested in it? Did they, did Absolutely. They have a look at it? I got invited to the show and I would have gone if I wasn't away. My only holiday of the year was six days away, so I wasn't... There was no way on this earth... You were going to turn it down I for was, a little bit of KSI I was never going to fly back early and go there, <laughs> but my son was desperate to go yeah. because he loves... You know, he, he took me to the... Uh, over to KSI and said, "Can I? Have, it's KSI. Can I have a pitch suck? I'd never. I didn't know him myself. Mm-hmm. So, all, basically, the lads, all they've done is they've they've made a living from putting their lives on YouTube, doing funny things, and you know, having a bit of a crack. And then this has just been sort of an extension of it on a bigger scale. And you know what? If anybody in their life." Can earn themselves twenty million quid, then I take me out of two. You go and crack on and do it. I don't. I don't resent anybody being out earn twenty million quid. No, absolutely. And for those that did say that it did damage, I mean, you're you're, you're in the world of boxing. It's not ne- damaged the world of boxing, has not, it? Not one slight little bit. And it also might even help in a little way. But as inspiring you know, we, we, someone, we, yeah. We've just mentioned it could open the floodgates to to young kids coming into boxing where maybe they've never even. Um, thought of going into an amateur boxing gym, so it could it could even you know help us. Mm-hmm. Yep. Are you uh, are you thinking of having a go yourself? Are you going to get involved? Yeah. 
Uh, anytime you like. Yeah. You just, you just tell me when and when, matey. Let's we'll make it happen. That sounds very Khabib. Then we get, we get off that. The way yeah. you're just saying, just name. The, give me the date. Give me the venue. Right, and let's get it on. Give me the date. And the right, venue. Then, weather, Weatherspoon's car park, sunshine. <laughs> we'll have it. Yeah. I, I think though, lads, before we get to that stage, yeah. you know, I put a, a video out there of the lads in the gym a couple of days ago having a floss off. So I <laughs> Is think that what? Because because Is that the qualifier? Because of KSI doing a little floss in the ring. I think before we go away, we That's should it. get a video and put it on social media. And you floss off. try to floss off. You've got to floss off. Okay. And if you can do that, then we can we can <laughs> do the fights. we can have a proper do then. <laughs> Speaking of real stuff that happened last weekend, Isaac Dogbo. He was on the Talksport with me a couple of weeks ago. I absolutely love this kid. Just for those that don't know too much about his story, I mean, this is a descendant of royal blood uh, in Ghana. He upsticks because uh, his granddad said that he needed to come to London for a better life, a better education. He upsticks when he was seven years of age. He ended up moving to South London. His dad took him on the pads in the local park. That's where he turned his world to boxing. He's still studying a sociology degree, and now he's the champion of the world, knocking kids out for fun. I mean, the story is absolutely tremendous, and by all means... Speaking to him a couple of weeks ago, he's an absolute top kid. You have a man in your gym that has sparred this kid even before he turned pro, and he speaks very, very highly of him. Yep, Carl Frampton told me about him. Even before he fought for the world title, he said he can fight. He said he, he came down to our gym, I sparred him before he turned pro, and he said it was a dog fight. He said it really, really was. And he said... Straight away afterwards, I said, I turned around to the lads in the gym and I said, he'll be a world champion one day. So uh, he's proved him right. And, uh, you know, I love stories like that mm. where, where people have sort of up sticks and, and yeah. sort of took it upon themselves to try and better their lives in, in a proper, legitimate, genuine way. And it's all worked out for him. I love, I love stories like and that. And another uh, father-son combo. Yeah, another, another one. I'll just take you on pads that local park and then we'll go start knocking some kids out, yeah? What do you crazy, reckon? isn't it? <laughs> Didn't his dad have a military background as yeah, well? Yeah, that's, that's like where it's come from, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't necessarily a box on background but again they 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 travelled all over didn't they they moved to switzerland at one point or something before they moved back to africa yeah. they you know he's he's, he's built his professional the career on a, the road yeah he didn't have a management or promotion yeah. or anything like that so he's been switzerland sweden all random places and in now Europe. he's doing the performances he is he's a world champion he's defending his belt and now he must be inundated so what a wonderful story that is for the entire family and hopefully it's inspirational for every kid out there as well mm. you don't have to have an eddie Hearn contract you don't have to be with the greatest trainer in the world jamie moore you can still make it in this game if you mm. work hard enough. That's how I'm going to train for you for this YouTube fight, mate. I'm just going to get my dad on the pads. We're going to go down the local park. I'm going to see Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I might, I might just uh, <laughs> drop one there. Eh? <laughs> uh, listen, Jamie, we're going to let you crack on, mate. Um, uh, all the best with all these uh, fights that are coming up over the, uh, the forthcoming months. Of course, we spoke about Tommy, which uh, uh, we are going to be uh, talking about extensively as we uh, make that trip to America. Uh, for a fantastic opportunity for him, and what a what an unbelievable story his has been, and also quite a lot of the lads that are already in your gym that uh, are going to be fighting between now uh, and the end of uh, the year. Hopefully, mate, my prospect of 2016 continues to do what he's doing. Just keep oh, him yes. in, just keep him in check. I know that he he was doing the business earlier on on the show, but just keep Jack in check. All right, you know what yeah. I mean. From from a, from a, from his dad's point of view, you know. Of what course, I mean? family ties <laughs> and all that. Family you know? ties and all that. Just keep an eye on it. And when we do go to America, just remember me ringside. You know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> uh, but no, pleasure to always have you on the show, mate. Thank you so much for being on, buddy. Thanks, lads. Um, Huey Fury is uh, going to be on the show uh, next. We're going to have a little bit of a catch up with him because he is decided to go to Sofia, to Bulgaria, mm -hmm. uh, to take on Kubrat Pulev. If he wins it, he will become the mandatory for Anthony Joshua's IBF crown. What do you reckon of that, Nicholas? Eh? Uh, I think it's 
ballsy, to say the least. Mm. It's the one place no other heavyweight wants to go or is prepared to go. And Huey has said, you know what? I'll go there. I'll prove a point, and then he'll put his name in the frame for April. Uh, well, do stick around. He's going to be on the show next, and we haven't forgot that we do do a little bit of mixed martial arts chat as well. A certain scouser by the name of Darren Till is fighting in Dallas uh, next weekend, and we'll be speaking about him next. <laughs> You listen to Fight Night on Talksport with me, Adam Catterall. Uh, Nick Pete with me in the studio, and it's uh, only fitting now, seeing as that uh, September is well and truly underway, that we start talking about heavyweights and guys that are going to be uh, hopefully going for uh, world championships in the not too distant future. A man that's got an eliminator coming up in October is, of course, the one and only Mr. Huey Fury, who joins us very kindly on the phone right now. Huey, how are you, mate? You well? Yeah, I'm very good. Thank you very much. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. Um, listen, Bulgaria, lovely place, part of the world, my friend. I'm sure a couple of your pals have been on, so you say, nice one, Huey. Thank you very much for the holiday. Let's go and get a bit of sun on our backs. Yeah, definitely. They're all uh, praising me. <laughs> <laughs> but fair play to you, mate, because there's a lot. it's been well known that there's a lot of heavyweights that didn't want to travel, that didn't want to go uh, to Kubrat Pulev's backyard. Um, that didn't seem to be uh, any part of the... Uh, uh, the problem for you, you just wanted to get the fight on. Yeah, 100%. This is a fight I won. I'm not afraid to fight anyone. And uh, like I say it's hard to get the fight. So uh, it doesn't matter where it's at in the world. I've always said where there's a ring, there's two people in the ring, and that's it. It doesn't really make a difference where it's at. Talk to me about the opponent. Talk to me about Pulev. He's a, he's a well-seasoned, well-rounded pro, mate. Where do you see the chinks in his armour? Yeah, he, listen, you can't take nothing away from Pulev. He's a good fighter. He's only lost against... Uh, Let's go, but uh, like I say, I haven't, like my dad's always said, and uh, I've always said, this is a young man's sport, and uh, you'll come and see that on the night. I'm looking forward to this, because we saw you obviously take on Josie Parker, and I know I spoke to your post-fight there, and you and your team saw it one way, but I think you learned a lot in that fight with sometimes... On big, big fight nights, certain things might not necessarily go your way. What what yeah. learns did you take from that Josie Parker fight of how you can then implement them and make sure that it does go your way come Bulgaria? Don't let go to the scorecards. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's it, man. Simple. That's it. Don't let the judges get involved. <laughs> is it really as simple as that, though, Hugh? Is that is that how you look at it? Uh, listen, it's all about the tactics and the right um, game plan as you go in. Uh, it's the same with the, like you say, the Parker one. I was out the ring for two years going into that one and never let my right hand go as much as I wanted to um, and stuff. But like you say, you've got to learn from them fights and uh, go on from them. So this, this fight I'm looking forward to. I'm a completely different fighter from then and uh, mentally changed. And like I say, I'm coming 24. My body's changing all the time. Going out there, Huey, do you fancy that, you know, the, the pressure is off? This is a completely different fight from Parker in regards that this is not your backyard. You know, there's not this huge expectation behind you of being this undefeated fighter that's on his, you know, destined to become a world champion one day. That's kind of gone off your shoulders a little bit now. You're going out to Bulgaria, you're, you're taking the one fight that nobody else in this heavyweight division seemingly wants to take. So you kind of feel like a, a lot of fans will, will look at it with, well, Huey's got going out there, he's got absolutely nothing to lose and everything to gain. Do you feel that? Do you feel like the pressure's off you? You can just go out there and, and kind of do what you do, enjoy yourself? Yeah, 100%. Listen, there's no pressure on me. There's uh, 
I'm going out there to do a job on uh, Pooh Evan. I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to enjoy it when I'm out there. So, like I say, he's in his own backyard and he's going to have to please all his fans. So, uh, it's going to be uh, an exciting night. I'm looking forward to it. We're going over there tomorrow for the uh, press conference. So, I can't wait. We have seen that uh, Fury name before go to foreign soil and absolutely bamboozled well-seasoned uh, professionals. Um, you must take inspiration uh, from what Tyson did uh, a few years back against Vladimir. Yeah, listen, like you say to you, it's, uh, it's all team effort as well. And just like I said, it doesn't matter where you are in the world, it can be done like it. Like he done it, he achieved it, going to someone's back garden. So nothing's impossible. Huey's still only 23 years of age. You know, you, you, you're so experienced now. Again, this is another another thing to tip, tick off the box. You know, you've got, a, you know, I'd argue probably a decade left in this sport, but do you feel it like we do as fans, like the heavyweight division is coming alive again? That, you know, the, the, the success of the rest of boxing, certainly British boxing over the last few years, has now eked into the heavyweight division. And, and you're like the, our young, hungry, you know, new lion just waiting to... This is kind of playing itself out for Huey Fiore's reign, is it not? Do you feel it? Is that what you're yeah, most excited about? Listen, you know what it is, don't you? I believe every cabin for a reason. I believe you have your downs. And when you have your downs, it makes you stronger. And I believe what I've faced has made me a better person, made me a stronger person, and made me more determined than ever to achieve and uh, I think it's just one step uh, one step away for, uh, for achieving your goals Now obviously this fight is a, an IBF eliminator that IBF belt is currently held by uh, AJ and we know that uh, his team have already announced the date for April my friend so therefore if you go to uh, Sofia do your business in Bulgaria win that then become the number one challenger for the IBF strap I'm sure you can start making a little bit of a noise for a Wembley showdown couldn't you? Hey, 100%, that's the plan. And, uh, <laughs> believe me, it'll be happening. I'll be coming out there with no arms and no legs. Everything's going in. I'm going to die in that ring. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> Definitely coming on with it. Well, that's what listen. That's what I want to see, mate. But once once you do, once you bamboozle Pulev, because I, I genuinely I'm looking down Pulev's roster now, and don't get me wrong, he's been in with some top guys. He's a well seasoned pro, but he's not been in with anybody as unorthodox as yourself and the way that you go about uh, your craft in the ring. And I genuinely think that you could bamboozle the fella. And once you've done that. Don't lose your head. Make sure you stay calm and get on the microphone, mate, because that's where it's all at. You've got to get on that mic and you've got to start giving it some. Oh, don't worry about that. Listen, the main thing is get the fight out of the way and then I'm coming for Joshua. That's the plan. See, that's the fighting yes. talk. Yes. Do you know when heavyweights say stuff like that? Yeah. It, it makes me, He's not even calling me out, but I feel scared listening to him. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, he's calling somebody else out. At the end of the day, he's the one who's got the bouts. He's, he's got the bouts, hasn't he? So... There's only one fighter out there, so that's him. I have to get the mandatory position for him, so that's the fight I want, and that's the fight I'm coming for. We've got quite a lot of fights coming up on uh, TalkSport of uh, the, the, the upcoming weeks. Obviously, yours is in October. AJ is fighting uh, at Wembley against Povetkin uh, on September 22nd. I know that you're a, a well-seasoned pro and you do study the game, Huey. How do you see that one playing out? Because it is a potential banana skin there for AJ, isn't it? Yeah... The thing is with Vetkin, he struggles with tall men. Anyone tall, he has a problem with. Mm. Uh, like Klitschko, he was up the floor and he just couldn't like he couldn't keep up, could he? Mm. He managed to go to the distance, but he he, he struggled against tall men. Mm. Uh, like you say with David Price, he just clipped him when he was up the uh, up the floor. So I think uh, I think in about four or five rounds, Joshua should have him out of there. 
And there you go. And then obviously we move on to April versus uh, Huey Fury. That, that's uh, that's how it goes down. October, yeah. That's the one. October, <laughs> then April. <laughs> Top man. So what's the plan now, obviously, uh, for the next few weeks? Are you are you up in sticks? Are you moving out there? Are you are you acclimatising out there? Are you doing the majority of your camp back home? No, doing the majority of your camp back home. And uh, it's a tough one and that already been started. And, uh, yeah, I'd probably just got there a few weeks before. Have you? Are you? Uh, are you still chopping the wood? Are you still chopping the trees? Is that what we're doing? Oh, we're chopping everything we can get our hands on. <laughs> <laughs> you got to, mate. It's old school. I hope. Uh, do you know? Do you, when, whenever I see your Instagram and your and your social media when you are doing that, I pray to God that in your headphones that you do have some old school Rocky music going on or something like that. A little bit of Eye of the Tiger or something. <laughs> Listen, forget all that rubbish. We have uh, what's it called? Brave Art. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. A bit of Mel Gibson sounds like. A bit of Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson, brave (laughs) (laughs) Listen, you're a top man, Hewitt. It's uh, been a pleasure speaking to you, mate. All the best uh, with all the media stuff that you've got to do building up to this fight. But for, listen, massive cojones. Nobody else wanted it. You've stepped up to the plate. You're going out to Bulgaria to take on the geezer. Yeah, he's going to do it. Nope. Thank you very much. And definitely, I want to do it. Don't worry about it. Top man. We'll be speaking again soon, no doubt. Take care, Huey. Top yeah, man. Take care, pal. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You made it there first. Huey Fury versus AJ and he April. Wants it. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. It can happen. Absolutely, it can happen. Listen, AJ's early, going to be short of a dance partner. Earlier on in the show, we were talking about AJ with the potential of Dillian White. Mm-hmm. AJ with the potential of Wilder. Mm-hmm. AJ with the potential of Tyson Fury. Yep. This is legit. 100%. At some point... AJ, if Huey Fury comes through Kubek Prilev, and I've just said there, I genuinely believe that he has all the tools, all the tools to bamboozle Pulev. The reason why I went down the uh, asking him about the Joseph Parker thing, because he he, took, he did it himself. I, did, I didn't say it. He said himself he didn't pull that right hand as much as he should have done on that night. If he would have done, he may already be yep. a world champion. He may be the WBO champion of the world. Mm-hmm. It didn't work out for him on that particular night. And I hope that he learned from that occasion, yeah. especially being the aware fighter this time, of course. that he that he does engage a little bit more because we saw on that night his footwork's outstanding. Yep, he moves beautifully around the wing on the back. It's foot. Just confidence. That's it. It, it. it just has that slight hesitation of like, you know, should I throw it now? Am I good enough? That that should be gone out of his mind. Now I'm sure. Mate, he's, he's, 20, he's twenty-three. Well, that's what I mean. I'm sure he sat down and watched the Parker fight over. And as he mentioned, he's probably he's probably kicking himself now, going, "What am I doing?" Why didn't I just let it go? Mm. I've always let it go. Why didn't I let it go? And yeah. I, don't, I don't think there's any chance of him going out to Bulgaria to fight Pulev and not letting it go. Because, again, the pressure's not there. He's not sold out the arena. I think Huey walked in as a 22-year-old kid for that world title fight. After, after, a, lengthy, after a lengthy layoff. That's what I mean. In mm. front of the Manchester fans, his hometown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think he just he took it all. He, he carried the weight of the world on his shoulders. He doesn't do that in Bulgaria. Mm. He goes out there. He'll be relaxed. He'll be calm. He'll let his hands go. And as you, as you say, you hit the nail on the head. He's seen it all before. He's seen Tyson do it. Mm. Absolutely, he can do it. He's got the potential of a career-defining performance on this night in Bulgaria to really make a statement and throw his name into that mix uh, for uh, for potential opponents what for AJ. What does that do for his confidence then? Where does he go then? You know, he's a 22-year-old guy at the top of the, you know, in the top 10 of the heavyweight division. Mm. Wow, where will he be in 10 years' time? It's crazy. Uh, Huey Fury, October, the showdown with Kubrat Pulev, the IBF eliminator. Uh, AJ holds that belt. At some point, it will be mandated. Who knows? They might speed it along a little bit and uh, shoehorn him in for a showdown in April. You never know. You never know how these things play out. Boxing is a weird old game. I'll switch my phone off now. Uh, that's Huey Fury just texting there, just giving me a Thanks. little bit of abuse. <laughs> Cheers for the interview, lads. <laughs> anyway, you listen to Fight Night on TalkSport. We've got a little bit of mixed martial arts to talk about next. Don't go anywhere. Welcome to the jungle. 
Now, you see, if my producer would have mm. had his head switched on, yep. we would currently be playing the Dallas theme tune right at this moment in time. Or maybe a little bit of Sweet Caroline. Absolutely. Or maybe a little bit of In the Air Tonight by Phil Collins. Because mm. he knows full well that this final part of the show is going to be 100% Darren Till loving. So, Matthew, if you could get one of those tunes, just prepared to finish the show off, that would be absolutely wonderful. Watch. See what I mean? Ah, there he is there now. There we go. That's better. He ain't DJing anybody's 30th anytime soon without mixing. Do <laughs> you see that then? <laughs> the buffet's open, Matthew. Crash the buffet's in. open. Crash Neil Diamond straight in. <laughs> um, you listen to Fight Night on TalkSport, you well. It's me, Adam Cattrall, Nick Pete. Who is leaving me on Tuesday? Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> next week, Fight Night's going to be coming to you live uh, from Birmingham, where we're bringing you the Amir Khan uh, Samuel Vargas fight. Uh, please come and join us. We'll be doing a little bit on TalkSport 2, then crossing over to the main. Uh, events uh, on TalkSport after the football next weekend. In the early hours of Sunday morning, you might hear the dulcet tones of uh, a drunk Geordie. Uh, drunk, drunk Scouser. Sorry, I was getting carried away thinking of Lewis Ritson there because I can see your beard. Uh, but uh, Drunk Scouser in the middle of Dallas uh, because Nick's flying out there Tuesday to follow his lifelong buddy, Darren Till, in the hope of becoming the second Englishman yeah, uh, to lift second. a wow. UFC World Championship. Only the third Englishman in history to, to even challenge. fight for one. Yeah, crazy, and it? you're going out with the other one, aren't you? Your, your boyfriend Dan, <laughs> Dan Hardy will be on the plane with you as you go out to uh, as you go out to Dallas next weekend. For those that don't know too much about the UFC, um, there, we do have a superstar amongst us here in the UK. His name is Darren Till. He is a scouser. He fights in the welterweight division, and he's taking on the welterweight champion next week in Tyrone Woodley. Now, this fight has come about a little bit, maybe prematurely for some, because. Uh, a fighter cut by the name of Colby Covington should have been next in line uh, for Tyron Woodley. He didn't want the fight. Nope. Turned da- it down. Darren Till did want the fight. He put his hand up. He said, I'll have a piece of the pie. Don't get me wrong. He's he's highly rated in the UFC uh, and therefore would probably be the, se- uh, be, the, be the second man in line for the shot. He's taken the shot and it's happening next weekend in Dallas. Wow. That's all it, I'm going to say, mate. It, it's absolutely mental, you know. It, it, it's mental that a guy who's just 25 years of age that seems to have been in the UFC, you know, just a couple of short years. I think he made his UFC debut 2015 and then spent 18 months out of the mm. octagon as well. So mm. he's actually only been active in the UFC for 18 months. Yeah. And yet, What's he had, five fights in the UFC? He's ran up uh, six fights, six right. wins. Obviously, the breakthrough fight was against Donald Cerrone, the former lightweight title contender. TK um, on the first round in Gdansk. Out in Gdansk in October, which yeah. was absolutely sensational. And then they answered us... The answer those calls to bring the UFC to Liverpool, obviously, which uh, which, which we were live down in May. We yeah, were there yeah. live, weren't we? Yeah. Um, for uh, for Fight Night, which he beat Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, which has now led him to Dallas and the world title shot against uh, Tyrone Woodley, who, by the way, we are both massive fans of. Yeah, Tyrone, he's he's Tyrone is monster. legit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think what wings this one in, in Darren Till's favour, of course, is that he's been more active. Tyron Woodley hasn't fought now for 13 months. Uh, and Tyron Woodley is he's kind of one of those champions that becomes a champion has got a bit of a chip on his shoulder that he thinks that he should be cashing in the big bucks. He yeah. should be fighting the legacy fights, everything else. He doesn't really want to be fighting these young, hungry contenders. Mm. But if he's overlooked Darren Till ahead of this weekend, he says he hasn't, but if he has, he's going to be in trouble. Mm. Um, let's give people a little bit of background on Darren because the, the it's a predominant... Uh, boxing fan show this yep. uh, that might not necessarily know too much about mixed martial arts. By the way, this is going to be live on BT Sport in the early hours of next Sunday morning. So if you want to get a little bit of a fix, get all over Darren Till, Tyron Woodley for the welterweight championship of the world. Um, 
he started as a Mai Tai guy in his early teens, 12 years of age, something like that. Yep. Uh, turned pro when he was 15 years of age, if I'm not mistaken. Then he got into an altercation, didn't he, in yeah. Liverpool? When he was 19, yeah, he got uh, he got stabbed in a nightclub. And uh, in fact, it was just before his 19th birthday. And he ended up in hospital for a couple of days. And he came out of hospital and went straight to see his coach, Colin Heron. Um, and they, they scraped the money together and they bought him a one-way ticket to Brazil. Uh, and he said, "You're going to spend some time in Brazil, and um, you know I'll bring you back in a couple of months' time. Let's get let's get yourself recovered and get yourself sorted out." And he uh, he went out there, and three and a half years later yeah. is when Colin Heron actually they were only said you can on come six back. Six months, weren't they? Six months initially, but mm. they they thought it was good for him, and uh, you know he was out there, didn't have a didn't have a penny, um, just had to find his way in Brazil, learn Portuguese, obviously, and mm. and then when the eventually the UFC breakthrough came through. So this is a guy that built up a 13, 12 and 0, 13, no record, yeah. in Brazil. And then well, UFC, he, he had one in Argentina as well, didn't he? Yeah, so yeah, in he, all over South America, of course, he's and undefeated. Then, and then they give him a phone yeah. call and they said, listen, there's an opportunity here to fight in UFC in two weeks' time. Do you want it? Against the Brazilian welterweight number one yeah, bad yeah. guy. In fact, can I just point out there that you have, uh, you've kind of um, undersold him a little bit there because it was nine days. Not the wow. full two weeks, my friend. Nine, nine days. days. Nine he went days. in and obliterated the kid anyway. Yeah, he and, and he's never look, really looked back. Undefeated in 18 fights, it's unheard of in mixed martial arts yeah. to not have a loss on your record. The mm. kid's got absolutely bags of bags and bags of talent. His big fight this week, we all know, will be with the scales. He struggles to make Just 170 pounds because he's, he's missed it on two separate occasions. He's, now, missed, hasn't he? he's ma- missed in six fights that he's had in the UFC. He's missed weight twice. Yeah, uh, yes, and um, obviously to make weight at what? Not just minimal though. He has missed it big. Yeah, he missed his last one. He missed it by like three and a half pounds. Um, so there's there's some concern going in this week that he's got to make weight on Friday. He's got to tip the scales at 170 pounds. In my opinion, it'll probably be the only time he does it now for the rest of his life. Um, I think regardless of whether he wins the belt or not on Saturday. I think he will move up to the middleweight division uh, just because his body's demanding it now because he is just so yeah. big. It's a guy that walks around at 220 comfortably. He's, mm. you know, he's, he's basically dropping, but he is exactly dropping 50 pounds to fight. It's insane. Mm. Um, and he has up, he's, he's changed his camp actually in order to do that. He's gone to the UFC yes. PI, hasn't he, to do it? Exactly. So he was he was obviously based in Liverpool for his last camp ahead of UFC Liverpool. He failed to make weight, living at home, home comforts, all that kind of stuff, the distractions. He's bought so a pizza he, shop. There's a, there well, you go. He actually has. The lad has yeah. bought a pizza shop. Maybe that is the problem. So the coach upsticked them all. So they've been based in Las Vegas for the last three weeks uh, doing their training camp. And they've got brought a nutritionist in from New York. The facilities, though, in Vegas oh, are silly, aren't they? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. They are silly. It's, it's like what you see at Man City's gaff. It's un- unreal. Mm. Uh, so they've left no, no stone unturned and they're confident he's going to make weight. And as long as he makes weight on Friday, I think we could see ourselves get a, the UK's second UFC champion That's where on I'm Saturday at. night. Nick, that is where I'm at. If he makes weight, if he tips the scale at £170, Taron Woodley surely, right, can't give away that much height, can't mm. give away that much reach, can't give away that much weight because when he walks to the octagon, if he makes 170, there will not be what we saw against Stephen Thompson where Stephen Thompson could literally say, right, you can't weigh more than 188 pounds on fight night yeah. because they had a, uh, they had a, uh, they had to have a separate agreement in order for that bout to go ahead. If he tips 170, he can crack on then. Absolutely. And we're talking about a kid that's going to be walking into the ring best part of 200 pounds. Exactly. And, you know, the Tyron Woodley's used to be in the big guy. He's a big welterweight. Yeah, he is. The thing is, Darren Till's not a big welterweight. He's, he's a big middleweight. He's a big light heavyweight. <laughs> he's a light heavyweight that comes down to welterweight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, he's very aggressive. For anyone who hasn't seen him fight before, that Mai Tai background, you know, make no mistake, he's very aggressive. He throws elbows and kicks and punches to actually hear people. And I think he sees this as a real opportunity for him. I think the Stephen Thompson fight was a bit of a chess match, but I think this one against Woodley mm. is going to come alive. 
I think as well, for those that do follow the UFC, you will you'll know that since uh, Taron Woodley has become champion, I mean, when he came champion and beat Robbie Lawler, what a sensational knockout. Absolutely mm-hmm. outstanding. But he hasn't had a knockout since. He's defended or retained his belt on three separate occasions. One weird draw against Thompson. Yeah. He then beat Thompson via decision, and then he beat Demi Meyer via decision. All yeah. three of those fights, let's be honest, stunk the gaff out. People weren't too impressed with him. The yeah. first one was the okay. The first one with Thompson was okay. But, but the other two weren't that good. Because he's just, all he does is back up to the fence and waits the counter strike, waits to throw that big overhand right. Um, but his it, opponents didn't really want to engage. That's not, what I'm saying. Because the, the thing is, at this level, they, they look, you're looking for the first guy to move. You're looking for the first guy to make a mistake. So there's a lot of counter-striking coming on, and we've seen that a lot with Darren Till's fight against Stephen Wonderboy Thompson for this opportunity. Yes, absolutely. Because there was a lot of, like, if I go, you can counter me. Yeah. So, and Woodley kind of works the same way. The thing is, Woodley's nowhere near the level of striker Stephen Thompson is. Absolutely. And I think Darren Till's striking is not point-scoring striking like Stephen Thompson. It's, I'm, I'm going to knock you, out. you clean yeah. out striking. And that's the difference. And Woodley will see that, and Woodley will feel that on Saturday. And that's why I think that this fight can't be boring. No, it can't can't go to distance in my opinion. No, I I agree with you. I agree. I think that because of the way Darren Till fights, he will meet him head on. Yeah. And let's be honest, Tyron Woodley's got knockout power. Absolutely. And he legitimately is very explosive. He's an unbelievable athlete. He's an all-American wrestler. The kid's brilliant on the deck. It's going to be, it's a fascinating, fascinating matchup yeah. uh, next weekend. I, ca- I caught up with Woodley. I spoke to him on the phone just last week and I, w- I asked him about that. Well, what are you doing? You, I thought you were firmly in the Scouse camp. What are you doing? Well, well, uh, you know, I like to know what's going fraternizing on. Fraternizing with the enemy. <laughs> Is that what you were doing? Trying <laughs> I, I, to get some info? Well, basically, I tried to say to him, well, you've always got your wrestling to fall back and I'm your tire on. You know, you can always wrestle him if you want to. And he's going, listen, I don't fight strikers and, and use my wrestling. I want to outstrike them. And I was like, yes, son. <laughs> wow. Led you on a merry dance there, didn't we? Mm. So, so he's he's adamant he's going to stand and strike with Till, and obviously that would be music to Till's ears. So uh... it, listen, in Strikeforce, yeah, which is another by the way, just in case we're confusing you, there's UFC, which is a franchise, Bellator a franchise, Strikeforce is also a franchise. Was was a franchise, should mm-hmm. I say? Where uh, Tyron Woodley was champion there, yeah, and he was knocked out in Strikeforce against Nate Marquardt, if I'm not mistaken. That's so right. he has felt yes he has been knocked out before is what i'm trying yes. to say and he got beaten up by rory mcdonald as well in the ufc absolutely there's a blueprint to beat, beat that's Woodley. what i'm saying there isn't a darren there's till. no blueprint to yeah. beat darren till he's never lost the fight so mm. unless unless tyron woodley's you know unearthed the uh or you will design the ultimate blueprint um i think i think we're going to see a hell of a fight put it, it that way it's it is incredible it is all you nailed it earlier on mate it's all about the scales yeah if he weighs 170 Friday, early hours of Saturday morning, it's game on. Yep. Start singing, it's coming home. (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing as well that we're at that stage now where the UFC's been going for such a long period of time and Bisping became the first champ from England. Yep. And now we're on the verge of getting the second, very, very close to getting the second. Yeah. As you said, we've only ever had three that have fought for it. But the inspiration that this is going to do to the next generation, if he can pull it off, yeah. is going to be astronomical. Exactly. And in mixed martial arts in this country, kind of like boxing, is absolutely exploding. It's getting busier and busier. The, the fighters are getting much more... Un- and look at the, the, the young fighters behind Darren Till, the likes of Paddy Pimlet from Liverpool, who fought tonight in Cage Warriors. Yeah. He's the next generation to come through into the UFC as well. Mm. It, it will open the floodgates if Darren Till can get the job done. There you go. Uh, that's next weekend. 
I've no doubt we'll be speaking about it as well on next weekend's show. Uh, sadly, Nick won't be with me because he'll be in Dallas, uh, the dirty stop out. But thank you very much uh, for listening to us today. If you've missed any part of this show, it is available on a podcast. Please download it. You can get it on the TalkSport website. Uh, you can also get it via iTunes. Just check out Fight Night. Uh, we are live next week on TalkSport 2 and TalkSport from Birmingham for the Amir Khan Samuel Vargas show. Make sure you come start as it's the start of a load of shows that are live and exclusive on TalkSport throughout the course of September and October. Matt, I'm going to leave... Matt's my producer, by the way. I'm going to leave this with you, Matthew, to play the correct music as we finish the programme. Touching you.